Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host, but you've got to be kidding me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, and Liam will do bits and whatnot. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Many, 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 pishy, pishy. What do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. What has yes, being no. annoying stopped you ever? That's an excellent point. <laughs> an excellent point. That's part of the charm. Rich Crage. And I could be, I'm allowed to be a work great nerd for the G1. I don't, I just want them to have great matches and a week like kill themselves. I don't care. It's not my body. I just want to watch great matches. Stop yelling at me. I agree. <laughs> And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you? Um, I'm great. How are you? I'm delightful. I am delightful, Joe. Another day on this planet. Another Thursday talking to you. Can't complain, right? That sounded sarcastic. <laughs> I, I didn't mean it to sound as sarcastic as it came across. Uh, I do. Uh, I do actually mean that. I, I have. Uh, I've enjoyed doing no, the show another lately. day talking to you. <laughs> I said another Thursday, not another day. I, I'd be more than happy to talk to you every single day, but you know, it's a Thursday. All right, let's do it. Quit that fucking job. You're right. Fuck uh, it. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Rolling. Except raw. I'm not doing raw. We talked about that last week. Not doing raw, but uh, yeah. Okay. Deal. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, it gets closer every day. I'm telling you that. I will. I will say that it is getting closer <laughs> to reality. Tell your, tell that boss to take this job and shove it. Yeah, that'd be, that. nice. like that. I, that'd be nice. That'd be nice to do one of those. Because ideally, it's not like I'm trying to get another job in the industry. Ideally, I'm trying to get completely out of it. You know what I mean? And and, and do my own thing. So it, it 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 allows for the possibility of a very like very big. Hey, hit the fucking bricks. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You can go to hell. You can go to hell. This, you know, it does. It does lead itself to a lot of that. I, I will. Will I do that? I probably not. It's not uh, my personality. But hey, we'll see. See what happens. You know. Do you? Uh, you get like health insurance through the job? Uh, not anymore, Joe. I switched to the uh, the nurses' insurance. So. No, well, geez, this is an easy well, decision. I, well, hold on a minute. That might have been a reason why. You know. No, we'll see. I'm, I'm, we'll see. Yeah, what happens, so. I was gonna. I was gonna say. I mean, it's not as expensive as you think. I mean. You know, get a decent plan, two, three hundred bucks a month, but you don't need it anyway. No, I'm good. I'm good. I, I got the, the, the nurse's insurance. And uh, honestly, it, it doesn't even help anyway. I, I never go to the doctor. And when I do go, the billing gets fucked up. And I have to call insurance companies for months Uh-oh, on end to get a fix. I just opened a can of worms here. <laughs> right, a can of worms here. A little bit. I mean, that's what I was doing earlier today. So uh, I don't really want to talk the, about insurance uh... companies right now. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Fuckers. <laughs> It's not, it's, I don't the, know if it's, to be fair, I don't, well, no, it is kind of their damn fault. No, fuck them. Yeah. So, so what happens? Of, you're, 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 you're covered, but then they bill you anyway? Well, they bill me anyway. Um, and there's this thing that they have now. This is exciting. Welcome to <laughs> the flagship podcast where we talk about insurance billing. <laughs> you know, 
That's right. Start the show off with discussions of riches, foibles with insurance billing. You know, a very like a, a real out of nowhere, you know, discussion here. Hey, yeah, about these insurance companies. Am I right? You ever heard about that? You've been seeing this. So what happens is there's this weird thing that's called, I guess, coordination of benefits is this new thing that they they they're, they're big on. And the idea is that they keep asking, do I have other health insurance? And I don't. I only have their health insurance. But they want to see and they keep asking, oh, do you have another health plan so that we can bill half of this to the other health plan? Then we'll only pay. We only have to pay half of it. And I'm like, no, (laughs) you pay all of it because you're my insurance. And they just want to know that you don't have another health plan. And I have told them now, I believe six times, I don't have another health plan. Can you guys pay this bill? And then by the time that it comes to, to for them to say, oh, we've confirmed you do not have another health plan. Thank you. We will get ready to pay this bill. It comes back, and then they want me to redo this. And I've been in this limbo for like six months at this point. So now, the obviously, the, the companies that are billing the insurance and are sending me bills are saying, hey, what the hell's going on here? And I have to call the Blue Cross Blue Shield and say, hey, I don't have other insurance. Can you guys pay these bills? And then we're in limbo and limbo and limbo and going round and round and round in circles. And Essentially, six months later, no one's paying anything, and everyone's just like, well, they have to do this. And the other side was, says, no, they have to do this. And then they say, well, you have to do this, and I don't know what to do. So, I just, well, I, I just wouldn't go to the doctor. And that's kind of, yeah, I, I don't usually go. And then this year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the doctor because I have good health insurance now, and this is what you're supposed to do as an adult male at my age. And uh, my blood pressure is a little high. I should probably go and get that checked up, and it has been nothing but trouble ever since, and all it has done is probably raise my blood pressure higher than it was before I went to the fucking doctor. So, um, yeah, probably just going to never go to the doctor again. Yeah, sounds like too much. So I don't need health insurance anyway. I don't need it anyway. I'm just going to not go to the doctor ever. Yeah. Well, it sounds like the the problem here is in your house, you're the phone call person. Oh, God, yes. Well, well, uh, to be fair, to be fair to the uh, FKA, the nurse, she's not really – she's kind of a nurse these days, but not really. She she does a lot of office work these days. So – you know, you know, yeah, but not a healthcare I mean, hero in, your in the same house... way. Well, but she calls insurance companies all day on behalf of her patients. So I can't really come home and say, hey, toots. <laughs> slap her on the butt and go, hey, can you call Blue Cross for me? Thanks. <laughs> I'm going to be sitting on the couch watching the bowls you know, while you call their insurance company. So, uh, yes, I'm like... unfortunately the insurance caller guy, although we both no, are. It sound... No, but it sounds like she's an expert in calling insurance companies and would probably get more progress done quicker than you do you're probably That's right how I'd sell it but guess what i've broached the subject and she said fuck you no you call them i call them all day so she, she knows the ins and outs yeah, yeah. and what to say uh, yeah she knows the she knows the insider lingo you know so it seems like she should be the one calling the insurance company you're right you know listen rich everything in life is a negotiation <laughs> Okay, that one seems you like a tough just, one. That seems like a tough one. Nah, you gotta you gotta finesse it. You gotta figure out a way. You give me fifteen minutes with her, she'll be calling that insurance company. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll take care of this. I'll for send you. you her number. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I'll give it to you right now. You're on the air. You got it. You got a pen and paper near you. you got your <laughs> your official <laughs> the notebook. Listen, notebook. Everyone else, put your fingers in your ears and don't listen for the next ten seconds. Go no. ahead, Rich. Read the number six. No, I'm just um, <laughs> You, yeah, you got, you know, you, you got to know how to finesse it. Everything's a negotiation. Now, in my house, I'm not the phone call person. My wife's the phone call person. I will pay all the bills. I will cook all the meals. I will handle everything in the kitchen. 
the one thing I don't like doing is making the phone calls. So she does. She's the phone call person. I never have to call anybody. Oh, we need a plumber. She makes the call. Oh, we need someone for this. She makes the call. There's a problem with this. She, she's the phone call. It's great. What you got to figure out is how to make her the phone call person. It takes a lot off of a lot of pressure off, you know, and then you can sit back and just fucking watch wrestling all day when you have a phone call person yeah. in the house. When you got a see? Uh, in, in, in-home secretary to, to handle all that stuff. Yeah. Um, well, when you see now, I can see where you don't get anywhere with her because you word things that way <laughs> that, you know, you, 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 know, you gas TLB up. You, hey, you're better at the phone calls. People like that's you. right. Yeah. Why well, I when we uh, when we anytime we order uh, food, I always have her call because I'm like, ah, people like you. You're, you know, I'm just gruff, deep voice male that's gonna be like, hey, we need to order this. You know, it, it, it's gonna work a lot better. You know, if you're there to charm them a little bit. But yeah, I you see what I tell her is I'm like, look, everybody hates a Jersey accent, so nobody wants to talk. Yeah, to that's true. So and you're calling like a lot of Texas based places, I'm sure as well. Right. So. The plumber doesn't right. want to hear from Jersey Joe. He wants to hear from, you know. That's right. You know? And so, you know, it's all in the it's all in the cell, and you're just not selling I'm not this selling well. It I could well, yeah. I could tell it's that it's a, that sarcastic millennial sense of humor you got. It's not working in this scenario. You have to you gotta finesse her better than, oh, I want I want my own personal secretary. Well, how do you think she's gonna react to that, Rich? You know, she's gonna you know she's gonna you know she's gonna, she's gonna say, fuck you, you call the insurance company, which is exactly what she tells you. Come on, man. Jeez. You want to call? I can give you Blue Cross's number if you want. I don't want to call that you. Might help. Okay, what I just right. say, I'm not the phone call person. <laughs> I think they need to hear from Jersey Joe, actually. Though. That's what I'm saying. Uh, there's times where you got to get a little Jersey on people. Don't. I make think no the mistake. problem is I've been too nice. Yeah. I think it's time for Jersey Joe to get in. and. Uh... You're, you're, probably, you're probably too nice. Yeah, you're probably too nice. See, you save all your sarcasm for your wife. Yes. Which is why she tells you to, you know, go fuck a pole. And you're too nice on the phone when you should be a little more sassy. So you got to bring out that secretly sassy side of Krach when you're on the phone with the insurance people to get this shit done. You know, just keep asking for a supervisor, no matter who they put on the phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just be like, listen, Jill. It doesn't even matter if her name's Jill. Just say, listen, Jill. Jill. (laughs) Yeah, just call her Jill. Say, listen, Jill. I, I yesterday I spoke to Frank, and and quite honestly, I think I need to speak to a supervisor again today. You know, and that that'll rattle them. You know, you you got to go up the chain of commands here to get this done. Yeah, you know, you, you, these aren't your bills. You shouldn't be paying these bills. No, but well, I, it honestly, should be her making the call because this is like <laughs> it's her insurance is what I said. Hey, I'm on your. It's her insurance. insurance. <laughs> we'll see. Again, that's a, that's the wrong approach. See, you're, you're confrontational when you're approaching her. <laughs> this is no way to butter it up. You know, you're telling her, oh, well, it's your insurance, and I, I'd love to have a secretary of my own around here. Well, that's not going to work, man. I can see the problem already. This is a mess. You know what? I don't even think I can help you wiggle out of this one. I don't think there's anything I could say to her. I've dug a, I think I dug a hole too deep with both, both Blue Cross the and, and the deep. nurse. So, yeah, I think it's over. That's all right. Just keep. Just don't go to the doctor. I'm just not going to go to the doctor and not pay these bills. (laughs) Just wait till you're actually sick when you have to go. You know, it's like, 
See, you you thought it would be cute to just go for like, oh, I'm gonna go get a checkup. I went I went very but, uh, I went very European, very Canadian. I was like, I'm gonna do preventative yeah. care. My my blood pressure yeah. is getting close to a point where it could be dangerous. I should go to the doctor and figure out what I can do about this. And and what did it do? Nothing. So I'm gonna wait till I have a massive heart yeah, attack or but a stroke and have to yeah. go to the ER and, and solve it like an American solves it by uh, neglecting their health until it's probably too late, and then you know just going to the ER dying. So. Yeah, I don't I don't go for nothing. Like a year ago though. It's funny. Go I thought I had checkups. a problem. With you got my... your supple neck checkups though. I got my supple supple neck. About a year ago though, I thought I had a problem with my gimmick. I couldn't have went faster. I, I had an appointment that my, my wife couldn't believe with the speed that I made the you appointment. Were a call guy, you were a phone guy that day? All of a sudden I was a phone guy. You 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 wouldn't believe the speed I got over to that doctor's office when I thought I had a problem with my gimmick. Like that, you know, that you know, I was like the fucking flash to get it to get over to that doctor's office but you know I, I could have chest pains for four days and i'm like yeah it'll pass no problem you Don't couldn't talk for two weeks and yeah. finally after yeah like remember week, when i couldn't the speak. beginning of yeah, week I three didn't... you were like ah maybe i should go see what's going on with this not having a voice <laughs> thing that i have do, going on right now so now I, I did go to the doctor for that to be fair and, and that and you and a you, while you, it took a little while yeah i went for that they told me i i no, I went for that with the one where I would because the doctor told me not to speak for a week. Remember? Yeah, but I think you were you were not going well for a couple of days, or at least a week. It was not good until you, I, maybe maybe you were more proactive about that one. I don't remember. Yeah, that one that one I did go for. You know, uh, yeah, that hey, your voice is 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 how you're getting paid, and all well, the gimmick is important too. So I get it. Voice well, and the gimmick are, are the two most important things for the you. The utmost so. importance, absolutely. <laughs> Jeez, without the without your voice and without your gimmick, man, you. Uh, what do you got for the world? What's left, really? Yeah, right. right. <laughs> you know. Uh, as somebody in the chat room uh, says, this would be a good time for the Blue Chew uh, coupon code. Yeah, you hearing this, uh, Blue Chew? Well, we're still waiting. Still waiting. Yeah. Said I would, uh, you know, podcast provider said, we, hey, you guys interested in uh, getting sponsored by Blue Chew? And I was like, fuck yeah, we are. Let's do it. Yeah, they've been back in the game. I noticed them on some other podcasts lately. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They went away for a while, but yeah. now they're back. Uh, we had some other fucking dick pills at some point didn't we <laughs> yeah i uh, uh well no i'm not gonna say the name of the yeah we, but we did no don't say the name no, don't say the pay, name no free ads well i mean they paid at the point but they haven't paid since like they're not sponsoring us actively I, we I had somebody say. oh i remember the company now yeah. yeah yeah i remember the company now yeah um they didn't send the samples though does blue no i said i was gonna say, I, I said i've always said i want the samples of all these no they didn't send them because they're I always weird they about the, the dick pill samples like if you want like a food delivery service they're like oh we'll send you samples no problem whatever and then there's like the, and then this insert the company here that sponsored us they were like well uh very unlikely that they're gonna send you samples if you would want them anyway and i'm like well please send us the samples let's find out like i want to see how these things work let's go so I was like both me and 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 my co-host Joe. We would love to samples of your product. So yes, uh, and they yes. were very like, oh well, well, that's not typical among our, our sponsors. I was like, well, make it typical for us, man. Let's do this. Let me see what these things do. But uh, they didn't, see, uh, they didn't do it. That's the kind of attitude you have to have with the insurance company, right? The the I want to be sent dick pills by this random advertiser energy. That's what I need to have with with Blue Cross and Blue, uh, Blue Shield of Michigan for sure. Anyway. The unnamed insurance company that's terrible. Oh no, I, I've named them very, very publicly now. It's I should go to the. Uh, remember when people used to like tweet at uh, like like major com- or airlines? They always used to be like the indie wrestlers, like yeah, at Delta. Yeah, yeah. What the heck's going on? <laughs> it's like you know some some rube yeah. at the Delta Twitter account had to be like, yeah, 
Hello, Moose. I'm so I'm very sorry about the, the yeah. issues that you're having. Yeah. <laughs> you know, dash like BD at the end of it or whatever, because the guy's name I'm is I'm so like, sorry, oh, the necro butcher. Tell us <laughs> right. more about your incident. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think they do that anymore, right? They've they've definitely given up on checking their ex account, I I'd imagine. Maybe they're still doing that. I don't know. But yeah, it used to be funny. Like every week it'd be some indie wrestler being like this is the last time I fly with at American Airlines. <laughs> it's, you know. Yeah. Please like send us a airlines. DM at where are you gonna at go? Big swole. Please send us a DM. <laughs> right. Just you know, an auto response. Yeah, they, no, they, no, it could, no. It always have like it would have the name because like the guy would put or the guy or whoever was manning the count would have like a dash with their like initials on it or whatever. Right, right. It'd right. be like dash RK or whatever. <laughs> like I'm terribly sorry about your issues. <laughs> yeah, that's the Emmy so we can find out that's more about your, uh, your you know your flight troubles or whatever. And it's like, I guess people it works. do that to they do it to restaurants too. Yeah, you know? they'll, they'll send a picture of their their salad. And you you call this a salad at uh, fucking Schlosky's? You call this a salad? You know, only one tomato. Yeah, uh, what do you think's gonna happen here? Y- y- you really need the coupon for the free salad that bad because you had one tomato in your salad. What goes through the mind of the people who do this? Like, what's the what's the what's the goal? Is the goal the free salad? They want to get another salad. All right, Joe, shut up about the salads. We got some breaking news here. You ready? Uh oh. This, this must be important. This if you're is very important. Up the- yeah. Shut the fuck up about your salad. From the desk of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Kazuchika Okada to leave New Japan Pro Wrestling. Wow, what perfect timing. Kazuchika Okada will be leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling after the conclusion of his contract on January 31st, 2024. We apologize to fans for the abrupt nature of this announcement, but join them in wishing Okada the very best in his future. As the New Beginning series begins this weekend, Okada will appear on February dates on February 11th in Osaka, February 23rd and 24th in Sapporo. Changes will be made to forthcoming cards with an announcement to follow. Uh, Okada has a statement here. It says, I have nothing but gratitude for having been a part of New Japan Pro Wrestling since 20, uh, 2007 and for New Japan bringing me from a 19-year-old kid off a plane in Mexico to the rainmaker I am today. Thank you to the best of companies in New Japan Pro Wrestling, to the best of opponents that I've had to, I've been able to face here, and to the best of fans that have cheered and booed over the years. I promise to make it rain in every match I have left, so keep watching. So, uh... Wow. We're ripping up the format sheet here, huh? We are, yes. So, I have to say, would this be related to uh, this news that, uh, well, not news, but uh, this little bit that surfaced today? How about this uh, Tony Khan tweet? And I quote, it's going to be an amazing 2024 at AEW. You know, didn't we talk last week when Tony gets starts getting sassy mm-hmm. on Twitter? He's got he's something got up his something. sleeve. It's usually when he's got something. When he's puffy chested is when he's 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 Tweeter Tony the most. Got something up his sleeve. So uh I don't know. That could be uh that could be what Tony's got cooking. Big. That is big, man. So you're talking Battle of the Valley, which we just saw was Will Ospreay yeah. getting the hugs, getting the thank you, Will, do the speech. Thank you, New Japan, for everything. And his opponent on that night was Okada, who then, you know, seven days later, or whatever, posts 
thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you. I'm out as well. That's uh, that's a bit of a one-two punch to lose there. And we've talked about in the past of you know uh, me- those many many years ago when when Nakamura left and and AJ left and and Carl Anderson left and and all those guys. You know, and and we were talking about I guess Gallows too, but <laughs> the lesser to a lesser extent Luke Gallows. But you know, we talked about that time how they were ready. They had that next crop of guys ready to go. They had Kenny Omega rearing to just take that spot right away and, and, and take it to higher levels, and they did. And they had the opportunity to bring Okada up even further and just say, all right, we, you know, Nakamura's great, and we're going to miss him, but boom, this guy's ready to become the top dude, like the bona fide top guy in the company. Tanahashi's still here. He's still thriving. Naito's still here. He's still thriving. Like, we got all these guys. Man, you look at this New Japan roster, where it is right now, and it's like, whew. I don't know if I agree with that. Who's ready? They got that next week. Well, I don't. They're not that, ready next, that next wave is not ready. Not tomorrow. No. Um. But they've got the ball rolling on. That ball should have been four. rolled. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. 2023 um, was a year to get that ball really rolling. I think they they got wasn't it. it though. Wasn't it though? Mm, I don't know. What did Wrestle Kingdom show us about the? That wasn't great. That wasn't great. Nobody took a big step at Wrestle no. Kingdom. That's that's for sure. Um, but you know they've got their crop that clearly they think, you know, Yota Suji, Yuya Uemura, Shota Aminu, those three predominantly. Um, I don't throw Ren Narita in there right now. He seems to have fallen behind. Nah, he's out. He's out. Yeah, he's for, for he's now, fallen he's behind. Yeah, we have to. You can't you can't throw him in there right now. So, you know, you you got that crop that they've gotten the ball rolling on those guys. Do I think any of them are ready? Now, here's the thing. Uh, you can flip the switch on one and pick one and see what happens because Absolutely. look at the guy we're look at the guy we're talking about. You know, he comes in, they just immediately flip the switch, and the rest is history. So who's to say if you don't just pick one of these guys, pick your favorite, you, 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 Amora, let's say. And you just rocket pack them that it doesn't catch on. It might, it might not. Now it's a risk because if it doesn't catch on, you could set the guy back years and maybe just kill him for good. Um, for for people seeing them at that level. What you can't do now is maybe slow roll these guys the way you were slow rolling them before. Now, you know, there was speculation that Okada, when he hired Barry Bloom or allegedly hired Barry Bloom and, and then uh, Obari stepped down that maybe Okada was just throwing his weight around because he didn't like Obari. Mm-hmm. Tanahashi and, got appointed as president and, and all that sort of stuff. Right. So the idea was maybe, okay, now he's done bluffing um, because he got, you know, you know, it's, it's magic Johnson getting, you know, Paul, you know, Paul, Paul Westhead fired or whatever. Um, but this is, uh, that obviously now wasn't the case. So the question is, Who's giving him the bag? Is it WWE or is it Tony Khan? Those are the only two options. I mean, there's no other option. It's it's obviously one or the other. Um, I could see both being interested. Both have been interested at times. WWE showed interest, what was it, a year or two ago? 
They and showed initial really... interest back in what was it, 2016 or whatever, um, and then that I don't know if that was actual serious interest, and I don't think he had any serious thoughts about going there. But I know that they invited him to the some event. I forget what it was. It was SummerSlam or something like that that he went to and, and, and was at live. And at least you know in the Observer they said, oh, you know they're they're looking at Okada or they're, they're interested in Okada. But then yeah, it was like a year or two ago again when when that stuff started to pop up again. Yeah, I mean, it would. Uh... Now my DMs are blowing up. Um, it would be, yeah, I, I don't know. Early rumors have him going to WWE. Wow. Okay. They, these are just rumors. This is just people telling people stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, there you go. Maybe, maybe Khan knows that too, and he's just some of his tweets and Could his be nonsense back against the wall, Tony, too, because sometimes that does brave happen face, as well. <laughs> brave face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, maybe Okada uh, wants to cash out and, and make the big bag and WWE made the best offer. I don't I don't know, because he seems to have friends in AEW and it's obvious that they, that the people who run AEW are fond of him. So maybe it just came down to a money offer or maybe it came down to, um, you know, I just working on the absolute biggest stage during the back half of his career as he's in his, into his mid thirties here and knowing, okay, well it's now or never if I want to do that. So, uh, interesting. Cause it, it kind of, the story kind of went away when Tanahashi took over the president job. So it obviously everyone kind of, maybe the new Japan fans maybe got complacent thinking that the story was going away when it really wasn't. Right. And the so, idea was maybe that like, they this was being done for Okada to kind of posture, and maybe it was being done to sort of be the last-ditch effort for him, too. Maybe he wasn't saying, I want this to happen and this to happen and this to happen, but maybe the company was like, hey, we should do this, this, and this, because that will make him happy, and ultimately then he was just like, yeah, yeah, nah, still, I'm, I'm gone. Thank you, though. <laughs> you know, I appreciate getting Obari out of there, and I appreciate you know this, this, and this, or whatever, but uh, there's there's two bags over there that I'd, I'd rather go take, so I'm going to take one of those two over there and, and, and try it out. But, um, yeah, wow, that is... Uh, that's a big, big, big story. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when these rumors were first starting to kind of bubble up and the Barry Bloom stuff was starting to happen. I mean, this is the biggest, you know, guy leaving Japan to go to America in still his semi-prime and probably go to America to be pushed as a tippy-top guy. Now, as far as how well does that go, who the hell knows? You know what I mean? Like, we, we, we have no clue what that's going to look like or whatever, but... Well, if it's AEW, he'll be a tippy top guy. Yeah, right. If right. it's if it's um, WWE, I have more confidence it would be as a top guy without Vince McMahon running the company. Absolutely. So, um, but still, the way that they do things and the fact that he's not going to be able to promo the way they want him to promo, um, you're, I'm still not super confident he'll be a tippy top guy. Now Nakamura left in uh 16, right? The same time, early 16. So that would be 7 years ago, also the age of 36. So they're both he he's leaving. They're both they both at the age of 36 made the decision to leave. Nakamura and Okada cuz that's the comp. That's your comp right yeah, that's there. That's your near, nearest comp. And, is, yeah, Jan- January of and, 2016 for Nakamura. Yeah, when he was 36 and Okada is 36. And he's leaving in February of, of 2024 
uh, I guess eight years later. So uh, Nakamura would have been uh, 35. Okay. So 35 for Nakamura, 36 for Okada. Um, and Nakamura, you look at his run, main eventer in NXT. In this current environment, there's no way they would send Okada to NXT. That's that's not going to happen. Um, and then a sometimes main eventer, occasional main eventer on the main roster who is also occasionally just completely lost in the shuffle in the mid card. And you forget that he's there. And, you know, if at the time people thought Nakamura had the perfect kind of charisma for WWE, like if there was one guy in Japan who people thought could make it in WWE, a lot of people would have picked Nakamura based on his charisma. Right, right. And, you know, and 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 the way that, you know, he his crowd connection and and all of that. And to an extent, they were right. I mean, I think. You know, his he hasn't always worked the hardest in WWE. He had he didn't always work the hardest in New Japan. I mean, effort was always you don't know what you're gonna get on a given night with Nakamura, even going back to his New Japan days. And and he's kind of back in the top mix now as a heel working with Cody. I, I think it's been more good than bad with Nakamura in WWE in terms maybe of, but he's disappeared for really long stretches really where they yeah, did absolutely yeah. nothing with him yeah and you know? the NXT and, run was pretty damn good and then the early WWE run was the main roster run was pretty good and then what kind of happened is we got the um where he did the he was just hitting guys in the nuts you know what I mean <laughs> that was his gimmick for a year was guy who hits guys in the nuts thing or whatever and yeah he was in main events and he was doing you know pretty prominent stuff but then after that you're right then he kind of disappeared for a little bit until what was it a couple months ago where now he's popped up again and 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 is in, you know, main event picture doing the stuff with Cody or whatever. So I, I don't know. I would say all in all, it's probably been better than I expected. Even under Vince, I think it was better than expected, but certainly not like someone like Okada, you would have higher hopes for this guy. I mean, Nakamura won a Royal Rumble and he feuded with AJ Styles over the over whatever version of the world title it was at that time. He hasn't won any versions of their world title, just the NXT title. He did pop the one big house with Sami Zayn, and that was 100% their match that popped that house in Dallas. And then it's been a lot of secondary titles, intercontinental titles, U.S. titles, tag team titles, things like that. The other difference, though, is if Okada were to land there, He's coming in a much, much bigger star than Nakamura was when he came in. Right, exactly. And Nakamura and Nakamura was a pretty significant star. But Okada has far eclipsed the level of star that Nakamura ever was in Japan. In fact, Okada surpassed Nakamura while they were both still there. Right. He surpassed him. With, with none of the and, stink of failure that Nakamura had during that first that's right. half of his career in, in, in Japan, where you know people kind of look fondly on, on the last couple of years or whatever, but those who were following you know New Japan or following Japanese wrestling before that would know that this guy was like 
just a complete, absolute, total failure for for almost a decade before he goes to CMLL and recreates himself and 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 comes in as the figure that everybody knows and loves or whatever. So you're talking about a guy with Okada who has none of that stink, has never really had any of that stink, other than his first match, you know, the, the Wrestle Kingdom match with the Oshiyashi is essentially the stink, and everything else after that is is, is top level, top level stuff. And and yeah, he's in a pantheon of of very very few Japanese wrestlers of all time, really. I mean, you you you, you can absolutely, absolutely, absolutely put him on that list with your Kobashis and your Masawas and, you know, your, your Anokis and your Shinya Hashimoto's and your, you know, those, those tippy, tippy top. He's in that mix, right? I don't know what, I don't know how many guys you want to, to put in that mix that top, uh, you know, upper, upper echelon, but he's one of those dudes. You know what I mean? Like he's, 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 and Nakamura never really was. I mean, for all the good that Nakamura did bring and how fun Nakamura was or whatever, he's not on in that pantheon, but Okada is in that pantheon in terms of, of, of what he was able to do, the business that he moved, the main events, the titles, the matches, everything. I mean, he is, yeah, simply put, he's one of the best, biggest stars in Japanese wrestling history, and now he's leaving. Yeah. Um, you have to wonder, with this news breaking and the benefit of hindsight, if the way he was pushed in New Japan in 2023, if they knew, if he told them, hey, look, this is it. I'm not re-signing. Because he was downcycled pretty hard into, you know, the trios titles and out of the, uh, you know, world title mix. So now you have to view everything through a different lens. You know, it's possible that uh, they knew all along and and also knew that, you know, look, it's going to be a much different year next year. We got to shake things up. We got to get. You know, what's a better public relations move if you're losing your biggest star than to insert Tanahashi as the president, right? Um, and it's not like things were going so hot for them anyway, as they were, you know, in a rebuilding phase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Something is telling me that they knew when you look back and look at how he was booked over the course of the year, he really was de emphasized. So. No, there's I can't that imagine this came as a complete surprise. I mean, they're, they're they're in their press release. They're talking about you know a little bit about how surprised they are. But you have to imagine that, and that's I guess that's probably the way that that most business is done in that country. And I'm assuming Okada did things in the right way, and and probably maybe in no uncertain terms, just kind of said, "Well, we'll see." Or maybe he didn't say, "Hey, I'm bouncing or I'm leaving," but you know, kind of just said, eh, explore other options. And they took that as, oh, shit. And and knowing where they're at in, the, in, in their business right now, where the yen is right now, that, you know, if there's a big money offer in America for him, and, and that looks like, you know, again, we're, like, we're, we're saying this right now without knowing, but that's, I mean, that's where he's going. He's going somewhere in America. It's over to the AEW. Um, yeah, I think that they probably know that even if he was like, ah, I want to look and explore stuff el- elsewhere, they probably knew right then and there that they were dead to rights because they just can't compete with, financially with, with with what you know wb or aw could do no we talked about this a couple of weeks ago you know new japan's in a position now where you know they, they you know it's, it's it's where you know for a long time there was no aew and wwe wasn't all that interested in their wrestlers so they kind of had you know it, it was a whole different scenario now they're in a scenario where there's heavy interest in their wrestlers from WWE with Vince out of there. You don't have to be a specific kind of wrestler for them to be interested. They just want stars. And you have another billionaire who is very clearly interested in their wrestlers as well. So, um, 
you know, and they're going to lose people, you know, any, any kind of guy Jin that they turn into a star, like the level of Osprey, they're, they're going to lose almost instantly. They're, they're, you know, and Osprey is a different kind of guy. He stayed for eight years when he didn't necessarily have to, um, you know, these other guys, they're gone the second that, you know, one of these other companies makes the call. Osprey's a rare breed and, too. He, he's a very he weird is. breed in terms of that from day one, he's kind of been anti Dota V and anti, you know, major uh, you know wrestling and like obviously AEW has probably catered enough to him or, or, or doing enough that makes him but this is a guy that you know talked to him in 2016 and there was no chance in hell he was going to sign anywhere else and he just wanted to be in new japan and just <clears> want to <throat> wrestle all over the world and and be this this traveling you know superstar that we've seen him be up until AEW then presents this opportunity that he now can no longer refuse and basically goes okay yeah that that i'm at the point in my life now where that's what i should do but like he like you said he's a one of one how many other guys is 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 Clark Connors going to say no 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 I don't care about money I care about getting in the ring and and plying my craft and being able to wrestle all over the world no he doesn't care you know what I mean like th- those guys don't Osprey is a very very weird breed in terms of that he is such a nerd for wrestling that he would rather wrestle all over the world in front of whoever doesn't matter as long as he can wrestle and and do his art in front of whoever he wants to do it in front of than you know take a big contract with a big time company or whatever a lot of other guys are not that way like you said every almost every other guy is going to immediately take the bag if, if if presented with it yeah he he Osprey is a guy who cares deeply about the art of pro wrestling and not all pro wrestlers are like that, even though more pro wrestlers are like that now than ever. Um, he's different in that regard, but that's my point. You're not going to have a chance to cultivate these foreigners into massive stars like you did for him. And now it's to the point where you may not even be able to keep your own guys. I mean, there's always going to be some native talent that are never going to go for a variety of reasons. They don't want to live in another country or, you know, they're, uh, you know, so there's always going to be that, but th- th- there's always that threat now. And now it's coming from two different sides and the money, they just cannot match. And that's really what it's always going to come down to. They, they can't match the money for these top stars anymore. And there's also, we know WWE has been dying to uh, stick their beak into Japan. And, you know, what better way to do that now, if they did sign Okada, you come into Japan with Okada. And now that's that's a statement, you know, on top of all the other Japanese stars that they've signed over the last few years. Uh, you're coming in with arguably the biggest one on top of Nakamura, on top of Io Shirai, on top of Asuka, on top of, you know, you go right down, Kari Sane and, and you know, toss Akira Tozawa in. And, you know, now you're really... Uh, coming in with impactful stars that are get going to get people's attention in Japan. So if that could be a big piece of this too. So um, there's just a, a million different branches to a story like this, but yeah, obviously it's um, an enormous, enormous loss for new Japan. And the more I think about it, one that they probably saw coming when you really start to really, look at how he was booked and how the last year played out and hiring the agent a couple of months ago. And I mean, they had to know at that point, you know, once he hired an American agent who's known as the top pro wrestling agent in the game, uh, he's not sticking around. <laughs> you know, that's, the, you know, so, and, and I would think that Okada didn't just, you know, drop this on them like a bomb today. I, I feel like they probably have known that this is coming. 
but I guess we'll find out as more details emerge. Yeah, wow. So again, uh, if you're just jumping in uh, right now, New Japan officially announced Kazushika Okada leaving uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, at the end of the month. He is still going to wrestle on their uh, February shows, but that will be it uh, for him in uh, New Japan, which is uh, yeah, just a, a massive, massive, massive uh, uh, story uh, out, of, out of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and out of Japanese wrestling in general. I mean, this is it, it probably speaks to some larger things that, We've kind of talked about, you know, at length a little bit. I know Open the Voice Gate, uh, uh, those guys, Mike Spears and Case Lowe, obviously on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, have talked about for a very long time that a lot of people, Super Jcast have obviously talked about this a lot, uh, Joel and Damon about, people are just not quite understanding how not healthy the wrestling business is in Japan right now. It's just not a healthy business at all. And COVID obviously did not help things at all, but it's just, it, it, it it's just not in a good place at all. <laughs> and this is uh, even the industry leader, the quote-unquote industry leader you know, in New Japan Pro Wrestling is struggling and having issues and can't pay you know, and, and have made pretty significant cutbacks in terms of, of who they pay and how much they pay them and what they pay them and all that sort of stuff. So that it, it, it's, this is hopefully now the Band-Aid getting ripped off so people can really kind of have an honest, earnest discussion about this and go, yeah, what the hell is going on with Japanese wrestling right now? What, what is the state of Japanese wrestling right now because it's not it's not good it is not good at all uh and, and yeah this is even you know the top company struggling to you know hold on to its top talent is is pretty uh, uh pretty shocking and and I think you know in terms of of other parts of this as well is it it also kind of represents that all the effort in getting New Japan Pro Wrestling to become a global company and getting Japanese wrestling to be more accepted by the larger wrestling world is a blessing and a curse the blessing is you can go to San Jose and sell 2,000-plus tickets. You can go to Chicago in April uh, and sell maybe 3,000 to 4,000 to 5,000 tickets, depending on and how many they open up. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But you also now have, have, have put a spotlight on your company that now these new companies and both AEW and WWE say, oh, well, this is a, a tangible market now that we can go after. These wrestlers are known commodities in America now, and, and, and now they can kind of come and poach in a way that they, you know, nobody in WWE was really looking to poach. New Japan Pro Wrestling guys in, in 2002, maybe Kenzo Suzuki, you know, or whatever, but like not actually. Whereas now, because of a lot of the work that New Japan has done, you know, like I said, the blessing and the curse is that New Japan is able to draw in America and be, you know, go to U the UK and it's a global brand and, and whatnot. But the downside of that is that you can get poached. And now these bigger wrestling companies are saying, oh, cool, we can grab this guy and put him on our TV, and most of the fans are going to know who this guy is. So a lot of the work is done. Thank you guys for doing the hard work. Now we're going to go sign this guy and present him as a big star. And that kind of, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a good thing they did that. And I'm glad they did that. And it made, you know, Japanese wrestling more accepted uh, globally, you know, by a lot of people. But the downside of that is that now you're, uh, you're right for the picking. All right. So Meltzer just tweeted that he gave his notice on Thursday night, mm. which means that that goes against everything I just speculated on and that he did drop it on him like a bomb or he could have told him that he was mulling this. And it was just a formality that just, Thursday is when the, I have the, to tell the official, you. right. The official. Yeah. I'm definitely not coming back. Came tonight. What time is it in Japan right now? Uh, in Japan, what it's Friday morning, right? In, yeah. Cause it was dated for tomorrow. This, right. um, Yeah. Oh, so, oh, yeah, like it, this, the, like a couple hours ago, what we're talking about, right? Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Because it's yeah, 11 a.m. So, right now in Japan. It's 11 a.m. on Friday. It's 11 a.m. In, in Japan. 
Meltzer is saying Okada gave his notice last night in Japan. Okay, okay. Because when you said Thursday, I was like, ah, that was a long time ago. That's not, you know, that was a week ago or whatever. No, no, no. That's yeah, right, today, right. right? Yeah, exactly. That's today. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah. 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 So the early, the early chatter, and remember, we do this show live. The early chatter amongst some wrestlers is that it's WWE. But that doesn't, how much is that worth? Next to nothing. But that's <laughs> right. the early chatter. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll wait. Uh, obviously, Melter's working on something. Sap says he's working on something. I've got some messages out. We'll see if we get anything while we're on the air. Um, you know, but I guess that rips up the format sheet. I guess we start with Battle in the Valley now. I suppose we do. Yeah. That's, How uh, can we not? That match has a much bigger uh, connotation now than it did. Yeah, we... Uh... We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff uh, on this this week's show. Uh, we're going to hopefully, time permitting, we were going to try to get to uh, some stuff in uh, CMLL, Osaka Pro, Big Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, we'll see if we can get uh, there. Yeah, we'll uh, get to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to it. To it. Uh, contract season updates. I guess we can roll that into a, a later segment after we're done talking about New Japan. But, uh, hey, we got another thing to add. I, I put here in the show notes, this has been a pretty wild contract slash free agent season for wrestling. And we'll update you on the latest movements. Well... We just did, and now there's even more uh, crazy things going on. FSM uh, 50, we'll talk about the annual FSM 50 list uh, that we published at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Joe and I are both on the panel uh, The vote on the list, so we'll, we'll touch on that. Uh, we'll also review TNA's Hard to Kill pay-per-view. TNA is officially back. Uh, Big uh, debuts there. Uh, Nick Nemeth, Ash by Elegance uh, debuted as well, and uh, a, a new TNA world champion and a bunch of other big title changes uh, up and down that card. But, yeah, I guess uh, New Japan Battle in the Valley is how we're going to have to start here. Uh, San Jose Civic Center in, in, in San Jose uh, last weekend. They got 2,147 fans uh, in the building for Battle in the Valley, which I thought was a pretty fun show. Not a great show, but at least had a, a few really, really fun uh, matches on it and two you know matches that I thought really did rock. But, um, yeah, I guess let's start with the main event because Okada defeated Will Ospreay. And this was a big, you know, monumental moment because Osprey lost. And then, you know, he embraced Okada, gave the big hug. Both guys were kind of emotional afterwards. Osprey was clearly crying. I, I don't I don't recall if Okada was crying as much as just kind of, you know, hugging him tightly or whatever. But it was kind of Osprey's send off, for lack of a better term, and with the announcer saying, OK, well, you know, he's going to do this cage match in February and then that's it for him in New Japan for wrestling. And, and then he's done and finishing up or or whatever. So, um yeah, little did we know that was also uh, one of the final times a lot of people see Okada in a New Japan Pro Wrestling ring. So uh, that match takes on a little bit more of a uh, a little bit more of a connotation now. But uh, what do you think of uh, of Okada and Osprey? And then we'll talk about the show well, itself. I think didn't they say he's doing his he's doing his February dates? He's doing all the so. February dates. Yeah, for for fans in America though, I think that's pretty well. Is he booked for Chicago? I don't even know. I don't think he was. And uh, well, that's Naito and Moxley. Yeah, I think that's all that's announced. Well, and then the, uh, the Ali and uh, let's see what they got right now. Hiromu. Hiromu. Yeah, I, I was trying to see if they had anything else. I know they had Ali and Hiromu and and Naito and Mox. I think that's it. I'm pretty sure that's it for that show. Oh, so okay. He o- Okada will appear on February dates on February 11th in Osaka, and February 23rd and 24th in Sapporo. Changes will be made to forthcoming cards with announcements to follow. He's only working those three dates. Yeah. Wow, he's not even doing the. He's not even honoring all his dates because those cards were announced. 
Yeah, let me see which ones he was announced for, because I don't know if he was on any of the Fantastica Mania stuff. I know that uh, Cubs had the... Well, actually, let me see, because Cubs fan had the... Um... Oh, I'm talking the New Beginning Tour. Yeah, oh, because says... he, he had a few more of those, right? Right. Yeah, and, you know, it says he's working February 11th in Osaka, and he's working the two Sapporo shows. Okay. But what's the third New Beginning? Is it Nagoya? What's uh, the no, third I think one? that's it, though. No, so that's all the New Beginnings. That's all the New Beginnings. That's New Beginning in Osaka, and then the two in Sapporo, and that's it. Are you sure about that? I thought there was. Hold on, let me take a look at this. As far as the big, the actual, there's a lot of like, there's a couple row twos that had some interesting sh- matches on them or whatever. But as far as the major new beginning shows, yeah, it was it was the eleventh. No, Nagoya, Nagoya on the twentieth. Ah, there's, it's it's Nagoya, it's Osaka, and it's Sapporo. And he was booked for Nagoya, and that's just what okay, I'm saying. Sorry, I'm, I, I was looking in February. I forgot about the January one. Yeah. Hmm. He's he's booked in Nagoya in two days, and they say, according to that release, he's not working that because they're announcing car changes. Right. And by the way, there's... he was in an eight man tag for that match or that that show. Yeah, say. he's working all these shows. He's booked on all these shows. He's all, and now he's he's working the eleventh. What's that match? That's the six man title where they're going to lose, obviously. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I think hey, is uh, is my bookie taking action on that one? Because I think I want to get in on right? that one yeah. um, before they take that one. Although down. you never know. You know what? Someone of his stature could win, and he might just relinquish the title. Right, right, right. You know, I, 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 would, I would want to put, put a couple units on, uh, on on TMDK. You know, Kosei Fujita, Mad Mikey Nichols, and Shane Haste. That might not be the worst. Might not be the worst investment, but um, and yeah. Then so I think they're losing that his, one. His matches for Sapporo aren't announced yet, but the release says he's working those shows. Okay. So he's working the two Sapporo shows and the six-man title match in Osaka. That's it. Because they said there's car changes being announced. So forget everything I said before. Actually, here, one, one thing, though, real quick. I'm wondering if what they're saying about those February ones are only because they say his contract's done on the 31st. So they wouldn't necessarily – he's still beholden to his contract for the rest of January. That's why you wouldn't have to say the Nagoya thing. You wouldn't have to say any of the other things. But starting in February, now he's no longer under contract, but he is still – Oh, you're right. You so know, he might work Nagoya. Like, he might work Nagoya. You're right. You're right, right. He'll work right. Nagoya because he's still technically under contract through the end of the month. But by the end of the month, he's no longer under contract, but he is still going to appear on – so he won't be on any of the Road 2 shows or any of that shit in February, but he's at least going to show up for Osaka – and the two Sapporo shows. You, you're, you're 100, you're 100 right. You just unwound it. Okay. Yeah, that, that's so. I, I was just kind of. We're all trying to work this. Through. We're all finding figuring yeah. this out on. So the he'll he'll <laughs> so. he'll. This is what live radio is like. So he will work through the 31st because he's under contract, which means he'll work in two days in Nagoya. Right. They don't need and to say right. that he's going to be there then because he's still yeah. technically under contract and and adhere to the. Day so this before. is a notice to people who have tickets in February. It says, "I'll read it right to you." As the new beginning series begins this weekend, Okada will appear on February dates on February 11th in Osaka and February 23rd and 24th in Sapporo. Changes will be made to forthcoming cards with an announcement to follow. You're right. He's going to work everything through January because he has to because he's contractually obligated to do it. And in February, he's giving them the 11th, the 23rd and the 24th. That's you, you're absolutely right. So, um, any of these uh, Corkin shows or whatnot that he was uh, scheduled to work, like these oh, the Corkin shows on the fifth, for example, eight man tag with Tanahashi, Makabe, and Ishii. You know he's probably being he's probably not working any of these other new beginning shows in February. Based on that wording, he isn't because it says there's car changes coming. So, um, 
And then he'd finish up in Sapporo because that's the end of the tour. Mm-hmm. He's going to work the 23rd to 24th, and that's it. Adios. Because they don't come back until the anniversary show on the 6th. And that'll be that. I'm trying to see if he was announced for any of the uh, – we could have maybe figured this out a couple hours ago uh, if he was on any of the Fantastica Mania shows. I know Cubs fan <clears throat> uh, had that uh, – the whole uh, – the cards of all those. He does not – appear like he was on any of them so maybe that would have been a good yeah barometer of how late in the game this came right well if he was announced on all those then it's like wow that was really late but he as far as i could and that's it's possible he just wasn't going to work that tour or whatever but oh yeah of course yeah usually he works one or two of them yeah, he right. does not I mean, appear that he's on any of these. So one sec, you people might hear a large ding as I search. Yep, uh, he was not announced on any of them. So, Yeah. So they they probably knew at least when they released the Fantastic Mania cards, which whenever that was. But hmm. I have uh, breaking news. All right, what do you got? I have confirmation from a direct New Japan source that it was not set in stone until Thursday afternoon, Japan time. So there you go. Hmm. That's from New Japan. So they're under the impression that, not under the impression, it was set in stone pretty, yeah, so okay, that's, that's interesting right there. Okada informed them yesterday afternoon that he would not be renewing his contract. Okay. And I guess I they waited until the morning time in Japan next day to announce it. I guess because it would hit late morning in Japan and at a decent time here. Right. Is when they is when they announced it. So um you want me to ask about these February cards? Ah yeah, why not? While you got them, <laughs> may as well. We got some questions we gotta get answered here. So, wow, yeah. I don't know. If you got the line, let's let's. These are moments are like this, so there are, are four. So get the get that word out, man. Yeah, this is um, this is wild. This is wild. It, it's uh, I know there's a lot of people that are gonna be really upset and depressed about this, but uh, eh, you know, I don't know any of these companies, so I think it's kind of fun. Makes wrestling kind of interesting, you know. I'm not paid. By yeah, well, I mean, so. look, look, I obviously I have no interest in him in WWE. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I, I just, mean, that that that, <laughs> that should go without yeah. saying. I don't have to really clarify that. Uh, you know, the, there's a there. There's a morbid curiosity of watching that coin drop and seeing him making his, his entrance. But then once he's fully embedded into that company, I'm not going to be interested in that. I mean, this idea that now that it's Triple H in charge, I, I still don't enjoy what they do. So, you know, I don't have any interest in him in watching him wrestle there. Um, we've seen him in AEW. You know, obviously I would prefer him to land there because I, I'd rather watch him work in that environment and work with the people they have rather than work in that. Cause I just don't like WWE. I don't like the way they present their product. Um, so my preference obviously would be AEW. Although the fact of the matter is, and we talked about this with Nakajima, I'm not real hot on the idea of them getting free agents these days either. No. I mean, 
you know, because I, I I don't have a total confidence in in the in in their booking when it comes to some of these big stars either. Like obviously, Will Ospreay, if he's leaving New Japan, I was pleased that he ended up in AEW versus ending up in WWE. That's the the better of the two options, without question, for my sensibilities. But, um, you know, because it means I, I feel like they're going to push Will Ospreay. Him, I'm confident they're going to push. Um, and, and obviously, he'll be allowed to work elsewhere. But some of these other guys, like Nak- the Nakajima example. Oh, God, yeah. I don't have any confidence that if he that if he were to land in AEW, that they're going to push him in a way that I'm going to enjoy. I feel like he's the kind of guy that'll that'll like never be on TV, right? Then you get that impression like he's one of these guys we'll never see, or you know, it's like. But but if the but if the option is WWE, it's AEW all day. Oh, I mean God, that you know yeah. that's not even a debate. That's not even a debate. Just the capacity so, to have better matches, the capacity to be in better spots, the capacity to be yeah, you know, work other places, the freedom right. to work other places, all those things. You know, whereas WWE, these guys go there. You know, they can end up in a feud with like LA Knights. I don't want to, I don't care about that. You know, on top of all the other presentation issues and uh, all the other reason that I have distaste for that company. Um, anyway, Battle in the Valley. And obviously, we'll jump in with stuff with Okada as the night moves along. Um, Battle in the Valley, Rich, we have to start here before we even talk about the main event. This show drew 2,147 fans, okay? Last year's show where they announced Sasha Banks and we all gave her credit for drawing that nice house drew 2,152 fans, a difference of five tickets. So what's the reality here? Because one of these two things are true, okay? (laughs) Uh, One... Sasha Banks did not help New Japan draw above and beyond what they're capable of drawing anyway, because they drew the same exact house the next year. Or two, Will Ospreay being in the main event had the same drawing power as Sasha Banks did last year, because the show that he headlined, and remember, she didn't technically headline last year. That was Okada versus Tanahashi. Okay, Uh, but we'll will grant that she was the drawing card on the show because all the tickets moved after they announced her and everything else. So, um, but you, you have to admit that one of these two things are true. Either she didn't draw above and beyond what the company is capable of in San Jose or the Will Ospreay Okada match was just as strong of a draw as Sasha Banks. So which is it, Rich? It has to be one or the other, I, it right? It does. It does kind of have to be one or the other. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, I, I would say that I think the rest of the year probably pointed more towards Sasha not necessarily being the draw that we kind of all thought or assumed that she would be or that she was on WWE television. I think, yeah, obviously a lot of the tickets moved for, for that show. And it's really hard to tell because obviously the injury happened or whatever. But, you know, after that show, which seemed like a pretty decent number, but I, I, I recall us at the time being like, yeah, I kind of thought it'd be a little, little more, you know what I mean? A little... It was it was a nice bump and it was a nice you know momentum after they announced her, but I I kind of thought it would be a bit more of a sensation than it was, and it really wasn't. And then it kind of just petered out after that, and then obviously she gets hurt. So it's probably more the Sasha is not as big of a a ticket moving draw as as maybe we assumed she was going to be or thought she was going to be more so than this show, which I I thought I thought this show didn't have a ton of buzz. It obviously had Okada and Osprey and Moxley and Shingo and you know. 
uh, some other stuff up and down the car that was pretty solid. But I don't know that this show really felt supremely hot on like the VOW buzzle meter that we always used to talk about or whatever. I didn't feel this was a hot ticket or a hot show or whatever until obviously came up this weekend. And for it to sell roughly the same amount of tickets as last year's show, I think probably speaks to a little bit of maybe the Sasha thing wasn't what we thought it was going to be last year. Well, I mean, could it be if there were more tickets available, Sasha would have ultimately sold more tickets than this show? I don't know. How can we know the answer? Do we remember what that building was set up for for her? Let me see if I can get that actually real quick because I think that might. It was every available ticket. I know that. Okay. So was this one. Hmm. So, I mean, they, they did the same exact number, Rich. Yeah. So one of those two things have to be true. So (laughs) this leads me to this as everyone seems to think she's leaning AEW or that WWE is out on her, which look, we've talked about it before. There's been rumblings out of that company that they simply don't see her as valuable as Charlotte or Becky. We've had that conversation (laughs) here. Okay. They see it that way. Right, I disagree, but that's how they see it internally. I disagree too. They see it that way, which is crazy when, Sasha was on SmackDown with Roman during the bloodline and outdrawing Roman. Now that was pre Sami Zayn heating the bloodline up, but those are facts. You can look them up when they were on the same brand and the bloodline was underway. (laughs) Sasha's weeks would outperform the weeks without Sasha and Sasha's quarters would outperform Roman's quarters. (laughs) Same show, same company same brand, everything for whatever reason, they, they don't value her as much as they value Charlotte or Becky, Becky. I can kind of understand Becky has a verifiable drawing record. Charlotte does not. <laughs> Charlotte has no drawing not, record. Uh, anti draw Charlotte in, in many cases. Yeah. Charlotte has someone point me to the Charlotte drawing record. She does not have one. Becky Lynch you can say that for however length of time you want to say that it was, was the biggest star in American wrestling. Is that fair? Yes. We just talked about this during Hall of Fame. Now, some people make that a longer period of time than others, but everyone pretty much agrees with it. That at a certain point, Becky Lynch was the hottest wrestler in American wrestling. Charlotte never was. Charlotte was never the ratings draw that Sasha was. But for whatever reason, that company... Never valued Sasha. They don't think Sasha's as valuable as either one of them. And both of them have enormous contracts and will continue to top each other for the biggest contract in company history on the women's side. So perhaps they just, Sasha was put off by the idea that she's not getting Charlotte's money. Right? And maybe that's why WWE's out because they, you know, that, that could, that's my speculation. But here's my thing with Sasha. She's expensive as hell, obviously. She's going to cost you millions to lock. Now, I'm talking AEW. It's going to cost millions of dollars to lock her up. She cannot promo. It was rough. Go back and watch the the New Japan, the Bushi Road era promos. Mm -hmm. Starting with the awkward Wrestle Kingdom debut, which did not work. And all of her promos, she cannot promo. She's getting older and she's only going to become, and she's already slight of build. So she's only going to be more injury prone from here on out. 
that's just any athlete. And she didn't exactly knock it out of the park from a from a business perspective on the Bushi Road run. In fact, all told, now that it's in the rear view, if she was being paid in the neighborhood that we think she was being paid, that I was told she was being paid, I'd call that run a bust. Oh, I would. R- I'd call oh, it a bust. Wise? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, that's yeah. a bust. I mean, in terms of... They of, get their money back on that. Oh, hell no. <laughs> no now, way. Not even close did they make their money back on that. And a year later, they're selling just as many tickets for the same show. Yeah. You know, if this show here with Okada and Osprey on top had done, I don't know, 1,400 yeah, I was fans. Say 1,500 or whatever is a good, like, oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. There's right? a tangible difference that, you know, paying Sasha X amount of money was worth because you sold the double the tickets. And, and you could then safely assume, hey, shit, had she not gotten hurt, there's a lot more of those houses, you know, in the future and for the rest of the year or whatever that they weren't able to kind of pounce on or whatever. But yeah, now that you look at this, it's like, oh, all right, well. Battle in the Valley 2021, 1,548 fans. So, you know, if it does that, but it didn't. It did the same number it did last year. I mean, I just, I don't think she set the world on fire for Bushi Road for that four or five match deal, whatever it was. So, but here's the thing. With all of that said, Tony has to win that one for perception. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that's the... Well, now Okada's out there too, but that the next big free agent after Will Ospreay was Sasha. And he's got to win that one for perception. These big free agents, you have to win them. And, you know, I'm not so certain how she'll perform there. I, I, I'm very concerned about her promos if she ends up in AEW. Because she really strikes me as someone who is going to struggle. And believe me, look, let's let, let's be honest. She wasn't Dusty Rhodes on the mic with WWE with the scripted promos. Either. No, no. But yeah, but, it, it seems hard to believe that she's going to be the person that can be backstage and look at the camera and talk about her upcoming opponent or whatever and, and make you excited for a match or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that, that might just yeah. not be her, her vibe. And that's the AEW promo is like Renee will say something and then you turn to the camera, look at the yourself. camera and you cut the promo yourself. Yeah. You're not relying on any your own words, right. your own ideas, and then you have to deliver them as well. It's a different environment. No one's handing you what to say. And look, I'm not saying that Tony shouldn't sign her. He has to sign her. But, you know, I would have some concerns with that. It, it's it, You have to have it for the perception win. You know, but from there, I don't know. And, and the other thing about these WWE hardcores is they turn on these people if they, it, it, you know, they, they turn on them. Sasha will become the enemy to these people if she signs with AEW. So then really, what kind of value are you getting out of it from that standpoint? From You know what I mean? Like a lot of her fans are going to turn on her and not want to see her there anyway. So I don't know. I, I don't know how hot I am on the idea of, of, of her coming in at this point for, you know, a few different reasons that I just laid out. I, I don't. I don't know how that's going to work right. out. The, the ROI it is did. definitely something that you have to think about with her because she's going to come with with a, a pretty penny as she deserves, and as she's you know is more than willing, uh, and 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 more than you know able to offer and 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 ask for or whatever I should say. But yeah, if you're, I mean, yeah, from a perception standpoint, you kind of have to do it. But that's probably it's probably a bad deal the second you sign it. One of those, you know, what I mean, that happens in in sports all the time. You have to sign your player. Because you got to sign him. You can't let him go, you know. 
But a lot of times you're like, right. ah, you right. sign it, sometimes you immediately you're back know it's a bad deal. Like you immediately yeah. know this is a bad deal. The Bulls, you know, had to sign Zach Levine last offseason. They could have let him go, but the PR disaster if you just let your top guy go without signing him sucks. But the second he signed the deal, everybody said, yeah, that's a terrible contract. That guy's not worth that deal, but you're stuck in the, between this rock and a hard place. And that's kind of where uh, AEW would be with, 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 you know, Mercedes is like you don't want to lose that, that battle. But the second you sign Here's, the deal, it's probably not a good deal. It's not. Here's the bottom line. She's expensive. She can't promo. She's fragile. And she did not draw like a superstar with Bushi Road. Am I telling any lies? No. I mean, did she, she did she come across like a huge star with not Bushi at all. Road? No. Remember, we talked to about me, that she Russell did Kingdom. Not. We, we, you and I came out of that instant reaction of Russell Kingdom when we went, oh. <laughs> hmm. Well, that was probably hopefully just an off day. And then she did the backstage promos. And we said, oh, it's a really, really off day. Okay. And, yeah, I don't know that at any point it really ever felt. The Kyrie match was probably the lone exception where it was like, okay, she feels like a star. She looks like a star. She's wrestling like a star. This is it. This this is what the, the idealized version is. But that's, man, other than that one match, I don't know that I saw it other times. With I mean, that was a great match. That was a great match. I didn't think any of the other matches were great matches. Mm-hmm. I agree. They were good. There were some good matches. Look, she worked Long Beach. That show drew 2,900. And that was built around the strong women's tournament, which is built around her and Will Ospreay versus Tanahashi. And look, 2,900 is a really good house for New Japan in, in America. You know, it drew more than, than San Jose did, you know, with the larger building. So, it's, look, I'm not saying that she wasn't a draw at all, but I don't, I, they didn't, I don't think they got what people were expecting they were going to get out no, of that. now no. this I mean, stardom some people show, might listen to this conversation and go like oh my god you guys are being way too hard but she comes at a very very this is it's, it's coming from the standpoint of being sports fans you know we're talking about what the contract is and what the production is you know what i mean it's if you just if you just go by production and everyone's gonna say well she got hurt and they, okay well i i'm glad but they you know we're talking business wise and a company that by the way just lost <laughs> their top star and has really lost a lot of people uh because they financially cannot afford things and they invested a shit ton of money into her and did not see that much roi so that that's you know a lot of people are going to be weird about this and oh, i can't believe you guys are are Bad mouthing her, she got hurt or whatever. We're just talking about what she signed for and what she was ended up being worth for that company and what what yeah. she's going to sign for and what she's going to be worth in AEW. That that's all we're talking about. And and right now, that return on investment is not looking good for New Japan. It did it obviously it's done. We know it didn't look good. And and what it would look like for AEW is also, you know, I'm, I'm pretty dubious about it as well. Similar to you. Well, you tell me, Sakura Genesis. She worked in the mid card, and I don't think she mattered at all. No, and that's no. just we'll leave that one out. But the stardom show in Yokohama, where she worked second from the top behind Tam Nakano and Julia, she wrestled Mayu Iwatani. Let's say that those were both drawing matches. That did 55-39. I have no perspective. I don't know anything about stardom's business. That looks like a great house from, from through my eyes. But, I mean, I don't know... I don't have any feel for what the drawing match was. I don't have any feel for what that show was expected to do, whether that was a really was a good house or it was a so-so house. I don't know. So that would be the only one I can't really speak on. Um, but the battle in the Valley show doing the same exact number this year. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, let's talk about the show itself. So 
Okada and Will Ospreay was the main event. This was, I thought, as far as the card goes, the top three matches were pretty great. You said two earlier. Did you not like Kingston Gabe Kid? Uh, I liked it, but it was weird. You know what I mean? It was like I, I don't know how to count it as a match. It just it didn't feel like a match. It felt like a prolonged segment to me. So so I liked that, but I don't know. Like that that was going to kind of be my take on it. Was I don't know that I call it a match as much as I call it just kind of a one very long segment, which I did enjoy, but it just felt weird as a match. You know, it never felt like it got going. It always felt like it was just brawl, 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 and then it was a count. I, you know what I mean? Like I I don't know. I, but I did enjoy that whatever that was. If, if, if that helps. The chat is saying that that's a great stardom house, but they're saying that she did not draw the house. It was a loaded show top to bottom. So okay. there you go. We'll trust the, uh, the chat, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I thought the top three uh, were great matches to varying degrees. I have no interest in watching Gabe kid wrestle under this current gimmick, but I thought it's, he's almost the perfect opponent for someone like for Eddie Kingston. And I, I really enjoyed you know, because there's just a, you know, Kingston has that legitimacy and that 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 realism that he brings to things, and I could see him wanting to beat the snot out of Gabe Kidd, the, the, you know, this, this shit talking punk. So that the dynamic worked for me, and I thought Moxley and Shingo was incredible. That I mean, that's one I'm gonna ruled. I'm gonna store that away for my match of the year 2024. I mean, I thought it was that level. I thought it was just great. And now I don't now I have no idea why they were having a no DQ match that I don't know. They're like having, they're out there having a, a like a blow off match for some long feud that they were never in <laughs> right. I that, you know, and they're killing each other. I like, I don't understand why that match was happening, why they were had this stipulation match, but just from a visual standpoint, I thought the match was, was incredible. Oh yeah. It in a vacuum, it, it was, it was fucking awesome and, and yeah shingo yeah. being able to do that style we always talk about that with great wrestlers great wrestlers can adapt and do everything every single style we always talk about brian danielson as a guy who can do every single style of wrestling even the wwe style he excelled at that you know what i mean we don't look we didn't love the daniel bryan running WWE, but he was the best of the best there because he's just a great wrestler and here's shingo tucking those jeans into those boots and having as good of a, a hardcore match where he's bleeding buckets as he would any other match. And it's just like, yeah, when, when, when you're great, when you're a great pro wrestler, you can be a great pro wrestler in every way. Uh, and I thought it was really, really cool for a lot of people that probably have not, have never seen Shingo do a match like this for him to go out there and do this match and, and, and bleed buckets and, and still be able to do a lot of the signature Shingo stuff, but, but be able to brawl, uh, you know, right neck and neck with Moxie the entire time was awesome. So yeah, that match rocked. That was very, very clearly my favorite match of the night, which is pretty wild given you know Conor and Osprey coming up in a bit. But uh, I thought Moxley and, and Shingo was just phenomenal, just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Yeah, it was the best match on the show. Okada Will Osprey was Will Osprey doing another uh, the bucket list match. I think he wanted to have one more match with Okada, who was the guy who got him into New Japan to begin with after that match in Rev Pro where Okada then recommended him and got him in and got him into chaos. And look, Osprey was going to end up there eventually anyway, because he's Will Osprey and he's the greatest wrestler in the world. He eventually became the greatest wrestler in the world. And he has been for the last five years. So he would have ended up in, if he wanted to be with new Japan, he would have ended up there anyway, eventually, but Okada's the one who got him in. And he's obviously had an on again, off again rivalry with Okada while with the company. And I think he wanted to finish up his singles run in new Japan against Okada. And the match was very much worked with that story in mind. I thought Okada, you know, dominated the match. And that was kind of the story here. And, you know, he even used the Stormbreaker on Will to kind of almost. And Okada kind of worked this with an edge. He was, you know, 
uh, he was kind of, he was uh, taunting the crowd and making faces at the fans and, um, and they were giving sort it to him this too. Al- they were giving it to him too because there was a "fuck you Okada" chant or whatever. They were all yeah. in on Osprey as like the babyface because because he's leaving. Joe, <laughs> we're never going to see Osprey again. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so funny. It's kind of yeah. funny in hindsight so- now because they're like, "Well, no, this is the send off for Osprey. And you're Okada. You'll be here." So they're booing Okada and cheering Osprey as if like, "Ah, come on, Osprey, do it. Beat this guy in your way out or whatever." And yeah, with the benefit of hindsight, it's even more of a weird match. But you're right; it, it was worked in in the sense that Okada was still like, you know, you've done all this great stuff but you're still kind of my chaos. You're young my boy. young boy. You're still not you're here. You're my young boy. Yeah, you're still not yeah. on my level. You're, you, you've done a lot. You've done well, kid, uh, but you're not, you're not Okada. You're not Kazuchika Okada just yet, but, but you've done well. He was an aloof. He was the aloof superstar and treating Will like his young boy. And, um, you know, Will made his big comeback at the end, but Okada was able to just put him away and put him away clean in the middle. And I'm sure Will was more than happy to go out on his back in that scenario guy never wants to win and um you know i didn't think it was the best match they've ever had i I thought it was a very good match but i didn't think it was as you know moxley and shingo was easily the best match of the night for me and um you know i don't know if i had to throw star ratings i'd go somewhere around four for the kingston match four for okada and will osprey and maybe like four and a half or four and three quarters or something for the i thought the moxley shingle match was was legitimately great yeah That's i went a match four and three quarter plus I, I used your plus there and, and and i was too much of a coward to go the full five with it but uh, i thought it was pretty damn good so i went four and three quarter plus for, for moxley and shingo and i think i'm right about where you were i think okada and osprey i, I was four and a uh, quarter i'm looking at my notes now four and a quarter for for okada and osprey and then i kind of put a question mark next to gabe kid and kingston i don't know how to take that match or whatever it was ah, well you didn't like it you didn't like no it. i liked yeah. it but i liked it more as like a large segment like if a, a brawl just broke out backstage and these guys fought for a little bit i i don't know i just never felt like i was watching a wrestling match at any point during it does that make sense or no yeah i mean that's what they were going for right so. right uh, it just it started outside it ended outside in between they kind of wrestled a little bit but it was it was more eddie being like all right you motherfucker you want to fight let's fight <laughs> and it was just like you said the energy was perfect a lot of other guys can't energy match that Gabe yeah. Kid energy. Eddie Kingston's the kind yeah. of guy that's like, hey, you're fucking around, and I'm sick of it, all right? I'm going to whoop your ass now. <laughs> like, yeah. You talk too much, and I don't like it. I'm going to whoop your ass. And that's kind of what the energy was of the whole match, which is great. But you need that kind of guy. to. If Gabe's going to do this gimmick all the time, you need guys that can match that energy all the time. And it can match it with Eddie Kingston, but a lot of times this Gabe Kid thing, you know, you're watching uh, you know, a G1 or whatever, and it's like, oh, okay, we, do we need this every night? Do we need this energy every night? I don't think we do. It's a lot. So Riddle's partner was Jeff Cobb. Now, if you remember, not only were they partners like in PWG, but Riddle was going to come into New Japan on a tag league tour and team with Jeff Cobb. And then WWE swooped in and signed them right underneath their nose. So this is kind of like a full circle moment where Matt Riddle ends up teaming with Jeff Cobb in New Japan Pro Wrestling anyway. So, um, they beat Bad Dude Tito and Zack Sabre Jr. And I don't know if the idea is to move forward with them as a team in New Japan. I don't know how many more bookings Matt Riddle has in New Japan. You know, so who knows? But on this night, uh, that's what they went with. And remember, we're in San Jose, California. We're in, you know, we're on the West Coast. And I, I think the idea was to put the Chosen Bros, you know, back together in California as kind of the big surprise. So that was that. Um, Julia and Trisha Dora 
I thought it was fine. Um, some nice suplexes being thrown. Now, Julia is another name that's out there, and it, it's it seems as though maybe WWE doesn't have the interest in her that people thought that they were going to have in her. So I really don't know what's going on with that, but because um, AEW doesn't seem like they're in there on her at all, right? Is is that? I doesn't. Say, I don't feel like anyone's in on her at this point. I mean, first it was like this super hot free agent. Um, now, could it be a scenario where it's like to give a comp? I guess in baseball a couple months ago, where nothing could really happen on the free agent front until Otani got settled, right? Because then it's like, all right. Until Otani signs, these teams aren't going to know where they are financially. So they're kind of holding off on, you know, whoever, Cody Bellinger or, or you know, Marcus Str- just name whatever other yeah. free agent you want to name. Um, you know, maybe that's the scenario here. We have to see what happens with Sasha Banks. Now we have to see what happens with Okada. Uh, we have to see what happens with Will Ospreay. And then, you know, maybe she's just not the top free agent priority. Maybe she thought she'd be a hotter free agent than she really is. Maybe that's a possibility too. Um, If you want my opinion as someone who almost never watches her, I think she has a really good look. And how should I phrase this? I don't think her work is nearly as great as everybody says. I think she's a good wrestler, not a great one, but I think she has a great look. And if I were running a company, I would kick the tires, but I wouldn't lose sleep if I if I couldn't sign her. That's my stance on Julia. Yeah, I, I think she's a little bit better than you do. Uh, I think it, especially in big spots. And I do think the last bit and especially this match as well. She doesn't feel like she's putting a whole lot of effort in anymore because I've seen her in big time main events where she is is nearly killing herself. Uh, out there and it does feel like she's kind of been coasting over the last couple of months in, in, in what I've seen from her because she was somebody who in in 2023 halfway through the year was one of my wrestlers of the year like maybe in top five Alan and I talked about it uh, I think you were oh March Madness I think you were gone for March Madness that one episode and Alan came in and you know in, in March or whatever when we were talking and at that time I put her in like my top five or at least my top 10 of, of wrestlers of the year and then it kind of trailed off a little bit towards the end of the year or whatever and I think she still delivers in big 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 main events and I think she's still pretty damn solid but um I don't know. I don't know if it's just simply sometimes she doesn't hit or if like we're saying or, or like I'm saying that she's maybe been kind of taking her foot off the pedal here uh, over the last couple of months and, and, and just trying to kind of survive until <clears> she gets that next deal or whatever. But I think you're probably right. A, a lot of people have her as like you sign her and she's instantly your 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 top star of your women's division. Nah, I don't, I don't, know I don't that's, see that. That's, I, that's, don't I don't know if that's that. quite her just yet. She's good. I, I mean, you know, to be clear, I think she's pretty good. Um, Tony Khan is replying to his, it's going to be an amazing 2024 AEW tweet with memes. Hmm. So read into that. However you like, I don't know. It's Tony. I don't, I don't know. So, you know, he's replying to that with memes after the Okada news. He's certainly posting, drops. but is he posting through it or with he's... it? Or what is he posting with? I don't know. Yeah. 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 My uh, New Japan source is unable to confirm what they're doing with Okada on the February shows. The way that release reads is there is he's just working those three shows. I mean, that's clearly what it says. And it says there's car changes that are coming. So right now they have Gato in a room somewhere scrambling. Right. 
rewriting all of these cards markers, changing all of these yeah getting all these guys out of here uh case low earlier in the note of chat room did bring up a good point that none of the chaos guys are in any of the fantastica mania so maybe they were apprehensive to add any of those guys to there knowing that he wasn't gonna, i don't know like again maybe they just told the chaos guys hey take a take this tour off or whatever but i think that is pretty interesting that none of the chaos guys were were listed for any of he's the fantastica worked, mania he's worked some fantastica mania shows in the past with his lucha background, it's always like a fun gimmick. I don't know that he works them all, though. So that might not even mm-hmm. be unusual that he wasn't booked for these. Anyway, back to uh, Battle in the Valley. Julia retains the title. I thought maybe she'd lose since it, it's like all these rumors swirling that she might be moving on. But she won. So I don't know. Because how often is she going to be around to defend this dopey title in America? You know what I mean? So I figured this was a spot where she could lose. But that's not what they did. Um, Fantasmo and Hikaleo beat Coglin and Clark Connors. I just don't give a fuck about any of these people. It's so hard for me to watch a match like this and care because there's not anybody in the match that I give a single shit. I I just want this to end. <laughs> I know. I can't. I, I can't anymore with Fantasmo and Hikaleo and and. And these war dogs, I just don't care. Yeah, I watched this match show, and I have absolutely zero thoughts about it. And I watched it earlier today, and I'm like, I don't. It's just it, this it, second hour of raw bullshit <laughs> ass match. It was I in my brain, care. and it's out of my brain. And I, I couldn't tell you a single fucking thing that happened in this entire match. And I wa- I promise you I watched it. I don't know. What happened? Does it matter? Did Hikaleo do his awful frog splash again, or did he keep that one in the <laughs> I chamber? don't know. It left my brain. I, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm. I'm racking my brain trying to remember a thing from this match. I know nothing. I don't remember anything. I guess we should just move on. I know stuff about every other match on this show. I know Asswag came back in the Finley TJP. I know that. Well, I uh, hold on now. Hold on. I'm just saying. He spits some mist. He spits some mist. Hints of the Aswag is what uh, uh, Walker Stewart said. I pose you a question. (laughs) Is TJP a mist spitter now? Um... Is this just part of his game? I think it is. I think it's got to be, right? He's a misspitter? I think I think the Oswag, uh, overall Oswag slash Aswag. Uh, you, you led me to believe that this thing was pronounced Aswag, Joe, and I believe it's more Oswag. But, uh, it's Oswag. Oswag is what you're calling it? Listen. Or Aswag. You said Aswag on the Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I, I'm a dedicated pronouncer. <laughs> you are. You are. That's why I'm asking you. That's so, why I want you to clarify. Look, I don't know. I read it how it's spelled. What do you want from me? <laughs> well, um, okay. Shades you... of the Oswag is what uh, Walker said when he sprayed the mist. So I do believe that he probably, at least for the time being, is, is going to be a mist guy. I see what's happening here. You trust the velvet voice. I do more trust than the velvet voice a little more than I do trust you. Yes. I, I'm insulted. We've been doing this show for half of his life, and you trust him that's more true. than me. That's true. He is a stupid young. Yeah, that's right. He was, when we started the show, he was, what, 10 years old? Something like that. Yeah. No, no, younger. Jesus Christ, he's only 21, younger. He was like nine, eight or nine when we were doing the show. Imagine him listening to this. Yeah. He, of course, did not because he is, a, a, I think, a relatively well-adjusted human being, so he didn't grow up listening to this show. But, uh, no, I trust so anyway, him on, on the pronunciation of Oswag. But, uh, Finley, the heavyweight, dominates TJP, the junior, as we get ready for the cage match between the Bullet Club and the United Kingdom or the United Empire. Um, so I like it from that standpoint. Finley's a champion. He's a heavyweight. You know, it was too much for the junior. 
right? That's that's like within the that that's how the that's the uh what's the word I'm looking for? That's the canon of the promotion, right? Yeah. So it's like that's how the match should have went. Uh Mascara Dorado and Volador Jr. over Rocky Romero and Soberano Jr. Look, these guys, when they come in and do these shots for these other companies, they're gonna go out there and they're gonna have a good match. They're never gonna go out there like they're in the main event of Arena Mexico trying to have a great match. They just that's not what they do. So you gotta temper your expectations a little when they show up in MLW or their, you know, second match out of the curtain on a New Japan show. This was a good match, right? But this was not a match that you're going to be recommending to your friends or anything like that. They went out there and played the hits and had a good mm-hmm, match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad I watched it, but yeah, not not yeah. not anything that yeah, you're going to write home about or, or think about ever again, but uh good, yeah, good 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 stuff to start us off on the show really. So, the opener had Jacob Fatu just out there trying to get a job. Right. I mean, that's what this was. Right. That, big, this he was got a Jacob big pop, Fatu too. He got a big pop when they announced him. In in California. Yeah. Right. With Shota Aminu and Fred Rosser against, you know, Team Filthy. And Fatu was the star of the match. I mean, he was doing everything he could other than holding up a neon sign that said, sign me. I'm available. Hey, Fabio, I'm available. Like, that's, he wanted to be signed. And he was so great. Um. And the baby faces won. And then the big story is Tom Lawlor had some dissension with the filthy crew and uh, made some peace with, with Fred Rosser, his longtime rival. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't know what's going on with that. If we're going to be breaking up the team filthy. Now, what we always do is forget the angles. So I jotted all of them down. Good. Good. So I we're going to talk well. about I, the I angles. tried to as well, but we always at the end no. of the show go, oh, yeah, right. Blank, 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 happened. blank, blank, blank. So, yeah, what do you got? Elsewhere. So we start here because this is where Jack Perry came out of the crowd. He attacked Shota Aminu and he headbutted him and punched him in the head and then hopped in the ring, ripped up his AEW contract because he's an edgy boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what the fuck this is. So is this a reverse excursion? Is Tony sending him away to New Japan for a little while so people forget about him, forget about the CM Punk bullshit? He, he put on a little fucking thing on his scapegoat. arm that said scapegoat yeah. so that's not making people forget about the CM <laughs> no. Punk thing at all yeah if if, if um, the goal is make so, people forget i don't think ripping up the contract and the little uh um uh the, the the scapegoat is exactly a way to make them forget about it so maybe just leaning into it a little bit but wanting to lean into it with new japan first as opposed to going right maybe ripping up in the uh or you know Opening up a bad wound in AEW right away. Do it, a, you know. Dip your toes in it in New Japan. Dip your toes a little bit in it. And he's going to be at the Chicago show probably, uh, and that'll be a good one for him to get mega mega heat or whatever, and kind of play around with that for a little bit. So it might simply be a hey, this is a kind of a fun thing to do, you know, for now. And then you know, when when we think things have cooled down at least enough, we can bring it AEW because I don't know if they want this kind of heat in AEW. I I, I don't know. It, it'd be interesting to see. I, I guess we're going to find out. Um, over the next weeks and months. But yeah, I don't think he's like full-time New Japan or anything like that. He's clearly just on whatever well, this is. What do you call it, an excursion or, or, or whatever? Excursion. Maybe yeah. like, you know, send him away. Look, well, he has to wrestle Shota Aminu now, right? I mean, you he, you can't, Aminu can't get punked out like that and then not eventually have a match with the guy and beat him. And I suppose you might have something built in with Sonata since he wrestled him at the Forbidden Door, but that might be 
a little bit over his pay grade, right? Sonata's like a top guy. I don't know if they want to put that, but, but I don't know who knows, but um, yeah, I don't know if they're going to send him to Japan, but obviously the deal, the, the, the storyline is he doesn't work for AEW anymore. He ripped up his contract. So if he doesn't go to Japan, what the fuck is he going to do? So I would assume the guy's going to Japan, but I guess we'll find out. Um, Again, they were building up the cage match. They even did a big angle after the Osprey Okada match where those guys came out and surrounded the ring and he said he would see him in the cage. That cage match is going to be fucking bonkers I cannot because wait. There's some real yeah. there's some real passion and energy in that match right now. It, it, it's yeah, be, there it's really gonna, is. It's going to be a bloodbath. Guys are going to be going nuts. It's going to be a huge brawl. I can't wait. Yeah, because TJP and, and, and uh, Cobb came out for the save at the end of the show because they were the only other United Empire guys on the show, I think, right? Yeah, and um, then they talked about the cage match, and then we got the um, the the Mustafa Ali vignette, where he says he wants to wrestle Hiromu in Chicago, which is smart because obviously Ali was a big indie star in Chicago yeah. before mm-hmm. he got signed to WWE with freelance and all that. So that was the market that you're going to want to use them, right? And um, the whole basis of it was. Uh, almost like, look, I'm a pro wrestler and I'm a professional and this guy is a crazed maniac and he plays with stuffed animals and I don't like him. And I'm going to show him what pro wrestling is. That was the gist of it. So uh, that is a chance to be a really great match. A really great match. Now, I don't know where Ali's head's at, how he wants, you know, he's been a big indie guy before. So it's not like he's some WWE trained dope who's going to go out there and, and dog it. He knows the score, you know, and it's his city and he's had great matches in that city when he was with freelance and, you know, he was a wrestle circus guy. So he's done the super indie thing. He oh, knows. Yeah, yeah. He's done. He's done a whole lot more than, I mean, he did AAW for a while. He was doing dream. Yeah. for a while. I mean, he's done the circuit. He, he, he gets it. He knows. So he he knows, and he, you know, I'm sure he's going to have a great match with Hiromu. Right. This isn't and Hiromu, who who are, we really do not know. We're we're going to finally see what not this sure. guy looks like yeah. outside of the reins. This guy was wrestling in the Indies while it was you know piping hot for years and years and years and years. So it's like, yeah, he, he's 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 been there and he's done it. But yeah, the, the the worry is that you know he kind of lost a little bit of like not necessarily the the skill but some guys lose like the passion the passion to have really really truly great matches once they go back and they see it as beneath them or whatever i don't know that about ali but also i wouldn't call that beneath me if i'm wrestling in front of you know three thousand people at the wind trust arena that that's just as big of a match or whatever so or maybe more people because that show is now sold out all the available tickets and they have to open more seats i mean I think they said they were going to do that. More sections will be opening up immediately or imminently. Sorry. Stay tuned for more information. So that's what they tweeted out last night. Yeah. Cause every ticket available is now sold. So they're going to have over 3000 people in there and you know, maybe they'll hit four who knows it's going to be a big show, you know, and it's new Japan. And obviously this guy is also probably looking for a job, right? He's going to do look. I, I I'm told his indie price is, is exorbitant. And people are giving it to him. So what he's probably doing, which is smart, is while it's fresh and he can get the big paydays, he's doing that before he met. Why would you immediately sign with a big company when you can get these huge indie paydays and 
spend Monday through Thursday with your family. Right. Right. And it's like instead yeah, of being enjoy, on the enjoy road your freedom all for a little bit, enjoy that freedom for a little bit, and and yeah, make yeah. you know X thousand dollars or whatever it is on the weekends, and then enjoy that freedom. Go out to dinner. Go take your kid. I mean, he's got young kids as well, and he hasn't probably been able to really ha- you know do a lot with them over the last couple of years. He's been on the road or whatever. So yeah, it makes perfect sense to to go and and yeah, I'm, yeah. When this guy has packed weekends, five figure weekends aren't off the table. So you can. Make that money now. Hang out Monday through Thursday. That's good. That's good money if you can make it, man. Damn, I'm in the wrong business. And then plot your next move, whether it's AEW. I don't know. I don't. I don't understand why. I mean, anyone should want this guy. So whether it's New Japan, obviously is interested in him. They booked him, and I can't see Tony not being interested. So he can sit back and plot his next move. You know, maybe. You know, New Japan, maybe he sees New Japan as a good spot because he can go on tours. And then again, you get two, three weeks off in between all the tours to do whatever the fuck you want. And maybe he saved his money. You know, so everyone's situation is different. But and I haven't seen his stuff yet. I know he worked a game changer match. I wouldn't watch a game changer show if you stapled me to the chair. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going weekend. I'm not watching a second. Of uh, of game changer wrestling, I know he was in France or whatever. I I'll be honest, I haven't seen any of his indie work yet, so I haven't seen anything yet either. But I I don't. He knows the score. He came from there, and he likes to perform, and he he's been a great. So I I don't, you know. And Nemeth, I'm positive. Look, just based on the moves that Nemeth has made, I think he wants to work hard too. Oh, I so, do. Yeah, can he though? I that that's going to be the biggest thing. Yeah, is, can is, he and will he? Yeah, right. yeah, right. Yeah, like can he adjust his style and, you know, obviously. He's got the ability and he's athletic enough and all that, but um, no, is he going to go out there and grab holds? I I don't know. I you know we'll find out, um, but we'll talk more about him later, I guess. But that was uh, Battle in the Valley, and then yeah, the Chicago show. Now, what do you chalk up sort of the resurgent business of New Japan in America to? Because for a while there, they were doing so poorly here that a lot of people were just like, they should just drop this. Why? What is the point? of coming here and doing what amounts to a decent sized indie show, drawing 600 people to, you know, uh, that venue they run in Texas all the time or, or a couple hundred people in that venue they run in, in, uh, in North Carolina, they don't run big show, but now look at this. I mean, battle in the Valley did great. Chicago is going to do an enormous house. And who knows how many tickets they can get. I mean, the setup was 3,530 seats and they're gone. They're going to do over 4,000 by the time that show uh, goes off. I mean, that's what that's they're going to do almost what they they could match what they did for the G1 in Dallas. Right. For this Windy City. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, it, that's on the table. Yeah. This show is wild. I mean, I, I, I was stunned that they did as well as they did. I don't know if it's simply that they're running a pretty big building and a building that's actually in the city because for a while they've – and it, it, it's the thing that Dave Meltzer talks about all the time, that sometimes you have to run a prestige building or a building that people perceive as being a big deal. Then people will perceive the show as being a big deal. He talks about that all the time with ticket prices. You talked about that with ticket prices in AEW uh, in terms of when they raised their price. Everybody said, oh, that's a terrible idea to raise their, the, the prices of their tickets. That's why their business is struggling, but that's just never actually the case. Like A lot of times when, when tickets go – 
you know, get higher and higher, people now there's an extra demand that go, well, hold on a minute. Why is this ticket so expensive? This must be something I need to go to. And then that same thing happens with pay-per-views. You know, if you make a pay-per-view ten dollars and all the other pay-per-views are thirty, then people are going to go, well, I'm just what's up with this ten dollar one? Why it's not as good as the other ones? And then you know, WWF did that where they were doing the in your houses, and then eventually they just said, well, every pay-per-view is this price, and they made more money than ever, and they made a shit ton of money just doing that. That might be what's going on here with this Wintrust thing, where they're booking a big boy building. They're not booking the Odium in Villa Park or whatever, which is not around anymore, so you can't book that anyway. They're not booking the Now Arena. They're not booking some of these other kind of small arenas that they've booked in Chicago. They're booking the Wintrust Arena in the actual city proper. That's a big arena, so I think maybe people are perceiving that as, okay, this is a big show then. This is a show that's going to be important, and I should probably go and get a ticket for the show. So it may have just been something where, where you know, just simply announcing a pretty big venue gets that interest. But you're right. It, it, it is kind of resurgent business for sure, which is strange because, you know, you and I were talking about as a couple of weeks ago that, man, I don't know if this, I don't know if you guys should be running in America all that much anymore. Maybe do one or two shows in America a year and, 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 and call it a day after that. But shit, sell 4,000, 5,000 tickets to uh Wintrust arena in April. Well, you can come back a lot of times then. So I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what's causing it. Cause it's not just simply Mox and Naito. I mean, a lot of those tickets were already moving and, and, and momentum was already, you know, building on that. I don't know. It, it, well, it's, well, I guess no, I he announced theory. it at Valley in the Valley. So I guess it was, that match is probably a big one, but I don't know. I just think it's simply announcing a pretty big building and making it seem like this is a big show. I think it's probably perception. How about this reality. theory? How about this theory? First of all, they're doing some pretty big matches here. I mean, Will Ospreay Okada is a big match. Tetsuya Naito versus John Moxley is a big match, right? So you've got big stars and big matches. But I think even more than that, I think AEW has gotten New Japan back over in the United States with the Forbidden Door shows sure, and bringing in Okada and bringing in all the New Japan stars and now doing Wrestle Dream, right? They've given people a taste of these New Japan stars and gotten them over again. And I think that has something to do with it. They've given them huge platforms. They've put them on TV. They've run pay-per-views around the idea that New Japan is on, you know, a level playing field on equal footing with AEW. And if and a lot of the core AEW fan base were big New Japan fans before AEW existed, right? And maybe the ones who weren't are have now have two years of exposure to all of these New Japan stars. And I think AEW has inadvertently gotten the New Japan roster over. Now, if I'm Tony Khan, I'm not bothered by that. I'm not threatened by that because. What difference does it make? Like, even if what I'm saying is true, what difference does it make to Tony Khan that New Japan is able to come over here three or four times a year and draw, you know, a 2,500 or 3,000 or even 5,000 fan house off of the back of my television, right? It's not going to affect his business at all. Well, no, Eddie's going to sign those guys when they become stars, so he's more than happy. And that was my next point. And anyone who he likes off of their roster can be on his roster anytime he wants. Right. So, so it's from quite his advantageous to promote them and, and, and allow them to come here and, and, and work. And Right. So if he gets those guys over, right, that's only going to benefit him in the end. 
So what does it matter to him if New Japan comes here and comes to Chicago and draws 5,000 fans? And sure, maybe they wouldn't have been able to do that if it wasn't for Forbidden Door and AEW television and all that. But what skin is it off of his back? As long as they're on Axis at 10 o'clock at night after Impact, they're no threat whatsoever. It means nothing in terms of affecting his business. Now, if New Japan went out and got a television deal with insert basic cable network here and they're airing on fucking whatever night of the week, then maybe Tony Khan has reason to pump the brakes a little on this friendly relationship with New Japan because now he has a legitimate competitor in the marketplace. And, you know, if if some network were to throw some money into New Japan, who knows? You know, these network, maybe there's some network exec somewhere who sees what WWE and AEW are doing in terms of winning all these nights on cable and maybe is privy to wrestling or is a wrestling fan and says, well, shit, we can give this thing a go with with New Japan. You know, they're they're on access. They're probably not, they probably got a terrible deal. Let's throw some money behind it. You know, let's put them on TV. Uh, you know, at that point, that's when Tony Khan would say, all right, now maybe this is going to affect my bottom line because this has a chance that this is more wrestling on TV. It's spreading out the eyeballs even more. And maybe this starts to affect my ratings. Maybe it's on the same night as rampage or collision or dynamite or whatever. But as of right now, you know, I think what's happening is Tony is getting new Japan over. And I think it works for every. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it works for everybody. Anyway, that's my theory. I'm no, no, no. And I think that. I, I, what helps too is back to back Forbidden Door shows being spectacular shows, just being like unbelievably great shows too. Is probably making people think. And and if you look at these, I guess for to a lesser extent, you know, uh, Okada and Os- and Okada or Okada and Osprey sort of was this, but maybe people didn't really realize it was in AEW versus New Japan match. Shingo versus John Moxley is an AEW versus New Japan match. Moxley versus Naito here is going to be a Shingo uh, an AEW versus New Japan. So they're kind of they're they're making these New Japan strong whatever these New Japan America shows sort of pseudo forbidden doors. You know what I mean in terms of the big big time matches. A lot of them are AEW talents versus New Japan talents, and that's probably helping draw it as well. Like to, more kind of to your point as well that that. These are sort of pseudo shows that that guys that are being promoted on AEW television are facing AEW talents, and and it's kind of a confluence of New Japan fans, AEW fans, fans of good wrestling, are all know that they're going to get something decent out of the out of these shows. So I think that's probably helped as well. I think the cards are just better than they've been for a while too. There was a while there where a lot of these New Japan and America shows just did not have very exciting cards, and and these these have been very very good cards. Yeah, well they're doing some pretty pretty great business here and i mean it really started last year with last year's battle in the valley is where it started right and then they followed up with the uh we just talked about it before long beach did 2900 now they're coming back and selling out san jose again now they're gonna maybe threaten putting 5,000 in chicago you gonna go to that chicago show uh i am gonna be gone i am a vacation what for that one well i fuck off this vacation was planned three months four months ago before they announced windy city riots i didn't know they were coming to chicago in april so why don't you fly back real quick and go to the show and then go back to where we are? <laughs> I don't uh, I don't know if that's possible. Right. Why not? Uh let me look at the uh look at the IT. What you got a we got an Airbnb or something? Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't you tell the nurse that nice ah shit, I gotta run out for some bread. <laughs> I'll be right, right back. Right. 
Right. Fly back, go to Windy City Riot, yeah. and then fly Let's back to wherever see. the fuck you're. What, what you're what's you the know. date on, on Windy City Riot? Uh, April 12th. April 12th. April 12th. Um, yeah, that's the day I fly out to California, so that that's going to be tough. So I should just wow. I should just say, ah, I didn't make the flight, guys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Gosh darn it. I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, well, well it happens. I guess so. Maybe I'll do an instant reaction live um, with you. So. From Death Valley? Uh, Palm Springs. Close. Also the desert. Palm Springs? Back in the desert, yep. Isn't that in Florida, Palm Springs? No. There, I mean, I'm sure there's a Palm Springs in Florida, but no. Palm Beach might be what you're thinking of. But uh, no, Palm Springs in California. Oh, Palm, yeah, Palm Palm Beach, Florida? Florida. Yeah, Palm Beach, Florida. I ain't going to Florida. Right. Now you're not going to Florida? Nah. Go to Palm Beach. Yeah, not you're, a Florida you're guy. You're a big beach guy? Yeah, not a Florida beach guy. I hear those beaches are, are beautiful in Florida. Yeah, they're, they're not bad. They're not bad. Florida. Yeah, I don't know. Palm Springs. I'm good. Palm Springs, California. This is like a normal vacation. Yeah. What happened to you guys? Well, no, no, no. It's a it's a desolate desert. What? Palm Springs? Is it? Yeah, sorta. These pictures don't look like well, the desert. I'm gonna they be. Like I, the... I, my Airbnb is in the desolate desert part of Palm Springs. Oh, great! So you're setting up another horror movie scenario where? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Some desert. Creature. Oh, I see. If you, you look up Palm Springs, no California would... on, on Google, it comes up with all these like golf courses and pools and stuff. Yeah, no, I'm in the middle of the fucking desert. Uh well, the more I scroll, yeah, sir. Well, you know, I, I thought you were taking a normal, nah. relaxing vacation. Nah. Nope, you're gonna be backpacking through the fucking desert. Yeah, Joshua Tree National Park. One of, ah, for one, God's of, sake. one of the final uh, one of the final California national parks to check off my list. Then I've been to all of them, so you know. Yeah. How hot does it get out there? Eh, pretty spicy. Yeah, a little spicy. A little spicy. I don't know what it is in uh, in April, but I think it should be pretty nice. I like it hot. Uh, Palm Springs, America's oasis, grapples with drought. No, well, that'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Not my fault. <laughs> I'll be there for a week and then I'm leaving. So. It's fucking hot. Bring your own water. <laughs> That's for them to figure um, out, not me. Yeah, yeah I agree. They'll, they'll, they'll yeah, have that Colorado right. River rerouted any day now, and then we'll be good to go. So. They're rerouting rivers now? Yeah, they want to. And a lot of other people that are That like, doesn't well, sound good. <laughs> I don't know. Why don't you guys not live in the desert? And they're like, nah, no, no, no. Yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> how about you move away from the desert instead of taking our water? Yeah, no, no. I don't know what I, how I feel about rerouting rivers. What is that? Yeah, don't live in the desert. Yeah, what are we doing here? <laughs> right. That's what a lot of the people in the Midwest and Colorado and all that stuff are like, well, it's not our fault, Los Angeles, that you live in a desert. That's that's that You chose that, not us. So we don't uh, – no, you don't get to have our water. We get to keep our water. So, yeah, that's going to be a problem in this country over the next uh, – our kids have to live through water wars. That was what water wars well, was many about. Years? Wasn't that water world, the, the premise of – Never saw it. <laughs> it's been a long time since I saw water world. I don't know if I remember what the premise of – uh, of that movie, the movie. With well, how many years we talking before that's a problem? I don't know. I'd have to ask somebody more ballpark, uh, more in tune. I, I'm in the Midwest. I, I have plentiful fresh water by me, so I don't have to really worry about uh, me as much. I don't know. Yeah, twenty, thirty years probably. 
Mm. Mm. I might care then. I might care. Um, anything over fifty, I'm like, ah, fuck it. Not my <laughs> right, I'll probably That's... be good. Yeah, if if, yeah. if I'm alive, I'll be yeah. in a, a vegetated state, and I won't care. You know, what I mean? I'll just be sitting in a yeah. chair and watching a game. They'll just Odds turn the are, game on for know. me. You know, I mean, yeah. as long as as long as I think, it, as long as there's a TV to watch a game, I'm you know, at that point, you're like, ah, whatever. What am I gonna do? You know. Yeah. Yeah, ninety nine yeah, years old. You're not going to change anything. You're just going. What can I do? I'm just going to chill. No, no. Um, I'm, I'm told there was too I, much water in Waterworld, hence the name Waterworld, which makes sense now in hindsight. That uh, yeah, you know, that's too much water. Sense. But you know that that's that's what happens here. This is you know the polar ice caps melt and then there's too much water. So it's like uh you know we 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 get too hot and then we usher in a new ice age. That's that's kind of the the idea here. So well, again, I. Until people throw a number of years, I, you know, I it's not I my would, concern. I worry about it right now. It's not my concern, you know. Um, when's like Miami going to be underwater? <laughs> yeah, that could, who knows? Yeah, that could be a little sooner. Yeah, that might be. No, I don't know if that's. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. The old ice caps. Yeah, Charleston, South Carolina, not doing good. They're they're they flood every time now. It rains. So. Yeah. Like oh. massive floods every time because it's like well what if we build more houses on the marshes what's what's going to happen then it's like well i, I think it's going to mm. flood more oh okay yeah well, let's build some houses on these marshes and see what happens okay well it's flooding so huh would you look at that anyway that's uh so we talked about insurance and now let's talk about global warming what else we got on the list that's because they all think like me you know right, like right. ah well you know I want a nice house. Though. I'm already, I'm I'm 63. I worked for this my whole life. I just want the house. You know, that's how they think. They're not worried about it. All right. So we've talked about insurance, the healthcare system, global warming. What else do you want to get into? Joe, what are your thoughts on uh, socialism? <laughs> oh, you really want to no, do that? No, 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 no. Well. No, All right. No, no. Now you're speaking my language, sir. <laughs> Cracking the knuckles. All right. So I've been waiting to rant on this one for a while. Um, Including one of your all-time great gimmicks that I, I think I should. Uh, now's a good time to bring that up on a show that we have so much to talk about. That uh, yeah. So our Patreon has a, an option to view drafts. Like you can put a draft of something in our Patreon. Yeah. And yeah. one day <laughs> I clicked create and it's like oh would you like to view drafts or whatever and i was like yeah sure i'll, I'll you know i'll see what the drafts are <laughs> is it still there or did you get rid of it oh no you got it you have it here yeah so on uh i'm looking at the drafts and i'm like oh what the fuck is this thing and it's on july 11 2023 at 11 28 p.m written by joe lanza it says hangman page workers rights and why communism is objectively bad and i'm like what <laughs> Like, what is he writing here? And then uh, if you click it, it just says, just kidding. And it was you just putting a draft in. And uh, I assume just fucking. Yeah, it was me. So. Me making you tug your collar. Because <laughs> you I was like, it. oh, no. I was like, Joe, please do not post that. <laughs> but I love it. It's a good column. Yeah, it's a good. Uh, it's it, that, would, that would get that would get the engagement. That would get the engagement for sure. But uh, yeah, it's a good. It's a good gimmick. I, I remember fi- finding it out at like, you know, it was like 9 p.m. one day. And I'm like, oh, my God, what the fuck? I was like, what is he writing? When is he posting this? Oh, God. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want this on our Patreon. This isn't going to go well. But, uh, yeah, good. that's a great gimmick. So appreciate yes. you doing that. All right. Let's talk about uh, – well, hey, you want to talk about contract season since we're uh, 
talking about people moving and going and all over the place. This is well, your baby, so go for it. The, the 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 events of tonight have certainly knocked the retirement of Yukio Sakaguchi down the list of uh, <laughs> items that another one to discuss. Another giant blow um, to Puro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah right. uh you know <laughs> another so, uh, another massive loss to uh, japanese pro wrestling yeah you know it's uh i don't know i feel like someone who has to follow like a big uh, uh wedding proposal or something and i and i have to follow it up with uh i don't know i bought a used car or something but uh we'll go through these uh, the aforementioned Yukio Sakaguchi is retiring from DDT on February 7th. Uh, we have uh, Saiki Yoshioka is taking UK bookings out of the uh, out of his home promotion of of zero one. So he'll be taking some UK bookings coming up. This this all seems so pointless after Okada <laughs> has quit all Japan. Yeah, Sakaguchi, but I'm gutting through this guy. Um, I'm I'm gutting through uh, the aforementioned Nick Nemeth has signed with TNA. He did in fact turn out to be the big signing. So it, it was Nick Nemeth, one of the names that we opined. So he is, he will not be long for new Japan. He will not be long for the Puerto Rico territory. Uh, Nick Nemeth has landed in TNA. Do you think, uh, do you think he was waiting by the phone for Tony Khan or do you think, uh, he wanted to be the big fish in the small pond. What's your yeah, read on uh, I think, Nick Nemeth? I think he would be more than happy to have gotten a call from TK, but I think this is probably a, a decent enough landing spot for him. I, I Probably not his first choice, but I think it's, you know, I think big fish, small pond is probably a good move for him. Honestly, if I was him and I'm not paying his bills or whatever, and you know, I'm not paying his mortgage or whatever, so it's, it's, it's hard to say, but like, I think if, you know, after years of being what he was in WWE and, and, and where he was slotted, I kind of like the idea of going to TNA and instantly, you know, sh- attacking the world champion and instantly being put in, in tippy top spots and being promoted as a tippy top guy. Like, I think I'd like to try to do that for a little bit. And, and you know, if Tony does call, yeah, of course, you go and take that and you take the pay, cu- uh, the pay uh, raise, you know, the, the assumed pay raise or whatever. But I think this is probably if I was him, this is the landing spot I would I would like to be at. And I kind of was glad this is, was the landing spot for him. I think it makes all the sense in the world. And I think it's it's it's. It's good for TNA, and I think it's good for him, and, and I'm excited to see what happens for it. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about uh, Nemeth and TNA, so we'll see. Well, I don't think Tony can call now because I think TNA has signed this man. He's, he was their big signing, right? They announced that this is their big signing, so this is it. He's not coming to AEW. Well, for how long? <laughs> I guess would be my question of, of – of, of, is this a six-month thing? Is this a Trinity deal? Is this uh, – you know, I, I, I think a lot of the – I don't know. There wasn't there a thing, and correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I just made this up out of my uh, out of nowhere. But wasn't there some weird clause that was getting put in a lot of TNA contracts for a while? That was like, yeah, if X calls, you can listen to them, but not if Y calls or whatever. Am I making that up out of my head, or, or was that? I don't thing? know. That was a that was a Gabe thing with Evolve, but I don't ever recall TNA offering deals like that. But. I mean, it's possible. I just, I don't remember that, mm-hmm. but look, they've met, they've had a hole burning in their pocket for a while to sign a big free agent. And this is who they, this is the one they got, you know? So he, 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 there's no way he came cheap. I mean, this was a seven figure guy. So He'll be the big fish in the small pond, I guess. Ash by Elegance showed up as well on the pay-per-view. The uh, 
the hell was her name? FKA uh, Dana, Dana Brooke. Brooke. The champion. Dana Brooke. The championship. Um, I'll be honest. I, I didn't, I wouldn't have recognized her. She looks, she's one of these people who looks different every time she's yeah, on the camera. I had no idea I, that this was, was Dana. When I saw, I, I first saw a picture Dana, of it so. before somebody, before I actually watched Hard to Kill, they were like, Ash by elegance is in TNA. And I was like, who the, the fuck is that? I had no idea who it was. And even saw a picture and I was like, I don't recognize who that is. And then I saw Dana Brooke and I was like, oh, okay. I guess that sort of makes sense. But yeah, it's um not somebody I would sign <laughs> at all. If I was, if I was TNA, the, the flip side of the Nick Nemeth thing is like, I cannot fathom what you have to pay Ash by elegance. And yeah, that, that, that's a, I'm good. I'm good on Ash by Ash. Yeah. I mean, Dana Brooke was in that system for a decade and never got better. She's terrible. But she's going to do a heavy gimmick here. She's doing kind of this aristocratic. She has a, she has a handler. Mm-hmm. It appears like she has a handler. I saw some people giving her a hard time. They say she's ripping off timeless Tony. How can you say that before we even know what the hell this thing is? I mean, is it because she has the male handler that people are saying that? Um, I mean, it doesn't appear like she's time a time traveler like like this time was done. She just is wearing a gown and she has her hair done up and the makeup. I don't know. The point is, I'm never going to be interested in whatever it is. That's the bottom line for me. Uh, she isn't any good. She never was any good. But um, you know, she wants to keep her career going, so she'll, she'll give it a go in TNA without Trinity. Yeah. Fatu, well, I, I will say, who, and and yeah, with this in and the out that we're talking about here with Trinity and and Ash by Elegance that. Uh, yeah. Pretty hard to make this argument about, you know, people have been making this argument for years about the TNA knockouts division being like one of the best women's divisions in the world or whatever. I- I'm sorry. It's hard to say that when Ash by Elegance is is being put in like a, a relatively high position in your women's roster. Like, I'm sorry. You can't uh, you can't look me straight in the, the face and say that FKA Dana Brooke being a major part of your women's division means that you have one of the best women's divisions in the world. I, I just. Uh, yeah. And especially now Trinity on the way out, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of just been shit people say for a long time. Right. But, um, you know, Trinity Fatu in the opposite direction. She's on her way out and presumably on her way back to WWE. She loses to, um, she loses the knockouts title to uh, Jordan Grace. Jordan Grace on the hard to kill pay-per-view. And, you know, I, I mean, overall, We've kind of talked about it. Uh, you know, I don't think her run made any kind of significant difference for TNA at the end of the day. I think that this Jordan Grace match from this pay-per-view may have been the best match she had, at least off the top of my head. Um, was I locked into Impact TV every week? I was not. Did I see every one of her pay-per-view matches? I did. Uh, none of them set the world on fire. I never thought much of her as as a wrestler. Uh, I think she's a slightly below average talent between the bells. You know, her run was okay. They pushed her real hard. She was undefeated until this loss. And now she goes back to WWE. I mean, I I don't know. I I wouldn't call it like any kind of bomb or massive failure, but it didn't really do much for them either. I I, I don't know how to classify her TNA run. Uh, I don't know. Their ratings were exactly the same before she was there and and when she was there and they'll be the same when she leaves. So, um, you know, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but 
did, did Trinity Fatu ever make you want to turn the dial to Axis and check out Impact on a given night? It didn't for no, me. No, not really. Yeah, I, th- I think that like obviously there was a lot of buzz when she first appeared. It was pretty big, and it was a lot of it was a lot of social media buzz, and it was a lot of you know. And and I'll say I went to a couple of shows where she was there, and the crowd was way into her. I mean, she was over in the buildings, she was over on social media, she was over on. All, but then when you really look at the business. Not a lot seemed to move, and it, it, again, I, I said this a couple weeks ago. This is a move that you make a hundred times out of a hundred if you're TNA, and you have the opportunity to bring her in, and she's willing to work for you, and she's willing to work hard. I mean, she, I think she worked hard in TNA. It's not like she, I, I think she slacked off or, or saw it as like a, a downgrade. I think she worked really hard no. and, and and did no her problem best. with her effort. No problem. Yeah, her effort was great. It's just the problem is that she's not that good, and I think that kind of reared its ugly head a little bit in terms of like this is not somebody that you can push as like your tippy top you know star of your women's division and have it be a high level work rate division you know what i mean and, and that's fine that's okay she's there for the kind of the star power but like you said the star power now that we're kind of closing the book on it didn't really see itself through it it it, it, it she felt like a star in that company and and it looked like she was a star in that company but you really look at the numbers and the ratings and the and 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 that sort of stuff, and there really wasn't anything tangible. I don't know about her, the YouTube views or whatever that she was getting or, or, or whatnot or quarter hours on TV or whatever, but like you said, all in all, did she grow TNA from where it was before she came there? Not really. Was she a good asset to oh. TNA in the year or whatever that she was there? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think so, but again, we talk about return on investment, similar to what we talked about with Mercedes. I, I don't know what they paid her, but I don't know that they probably got a return for her. But with that said, I still do this move 100 times out of 100 if I'm TNA slash Impact. For sure. She's got the big entrance and people like the entrance. And the the one thing is she quit with Sasha. And at the time, if you recall, no one was really clamoring for her services. In fact, um, when I broke that Sasha story with uh with Bushi Road, you know, I asked people flat out and they 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 I was told there was no interest in in Naomi at the time, I guess none from the new Japan. Like they just did. They weren't interested. Um, and I, I never saw her connected with AEW either to the point where some people have speculated that maybe she couldn't sign with them at, as per the, um, terms of her release yeah, from WWE. Got, Cause remember it took them a while to get released. Right. Yeah. But I don't even know if that's true. I just don't know if there was really a ton of interest. And then eventually she turned up in TNA almost because, well, where else was there to go? Are you telling me that? Well, I know that new, that Bushi Road wasn't. I know for a fact Bushi Road wasn't interested. Whether she had some kind of terms, and why would they tell her she couldn't sign with Bushi Road, but but Sasha could? That doesn't make any sense, right? Maybe they told her, "All right, we'll release you, but you can't go to AEW." That's entirely possible. But the Bushi Road theory makes no sense because they would have given the bigger star those same terms, but they let the bigger star go to Bushi Road, but not the lesser star. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up for me. But um, but anyway, she'll be on her way back. And I think the thing about it is I think she'll be a big deal when she comes back to WWE. I think sometimes the best thing for these people is to be away for a while. Mm-hmm. After you've been there for so many years and people are just, you know, it, it, you've been doing the same act for all this time. Let people miss you. Right. And then when you return, your return's a big deal. And it's, oh, Naomi has returned. You can make a huge deal out of it. And I think she'll be better off for it. So 
um, she'll head back to WWE and we'll never watch her wrestle again unless she's on pay-per-views, which is kind of like what we were doing anyway with Impact. But, <laughs> right, um, right, right. Yeah, no, that, that the Field of Glow will come up on the Royal Rumble. Everybody will pop. And like you said, it'll probably yes. be a pretty big deal. And this is why people should leave more and people should be more open uh, to leaving and going elsewhere for a little bit because, yeah, like you said, it only it's only going to help you when you come back because, yeah, Naomi was there for the last decade just kind of spinning her wheels, and, yeah, now she's going to come back and be probably pushed more than she was pushed when she left and probably be a bigger star than when she left as well and come out to the Royal Rumble and be a big giant deal, and, and yeah, so these things yeah. work. This is how wrestling has worked forever and ever and ever, so, uh, yeah, it, it, more people should be open to doing this and, and, and be willing to leave for a little bit and come back because a lot of a lot of times it, 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 it helps your career tremendously. All right, let's do this last one and then do hard to kill. So Black Taurus, according to the Lucha blog, our friend, the Cubs fan, he is signed with AEW, but AAA is making a big deal out of the trademark. He started with AAA as Taurus. Then he was working outside of AAA as Black Taurus. And of course he worked for Impact for a while as Black Taurus and AAA didn't have any problem with that. And he even worked some AEW shots as Black Taurus and AAA seemingly didn't have a problem with it. But now that he is signed, they don't want their intellectual property as part of AEW anymore. So it looks like Black Taurus is going to have to come up with a new name and maybe some slight adjustments to the gimmick now that he's contracted with AEW and no longer with AAA. So this all ties into TNA and AAA and and um they brought Dorian Roldan out there on the pay-per-view with with Scott Demore and they officially announced their partnership. Now they had been doing business together for quite some time. Demore even acknowledged that when they made the announcement he said this has been paraphrasing but he said this has been the best and most mutually beneficial arrangement between promotions that we have ever had which i took as a shot at aew i'll get your opinion on that in a minute and uh dorian shared those sentiments when he spoke in english i'm not sure what he said in spanish probably the same shit and now that we see they're having this this uh this uh spitefulness towards black taurus you get the sense that the the AAA relationship with AEW might be crumbling a little and that AAA is now firmly in bed with TNA and the way, you know, the more, I don't know, maybe I'm off base and maybe it was just, he's out there on a pay-per-view and it's promoter talk and you Mm -hmm. want to talk up your partnership. That's entirely possible. But the verbiage he used to me was either a shot inadvertent, or subconscious at AEW. And the fact of the matter is TNA has no right to be upset with whatever arrangement they had with AEW. They got Kenny fucking Omega to be their world champion for however many months that was six months or whatever that was during a pandemic. (laughs) He helped them break pay-per-view records under the Anthem ownership. Not the old records with Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle or anything like that. But under the new ownership, Omega was setting records on pay-per-view for that company. He was popping. Now, I was following this closely. You know that. And I was doing it every week on the TV reviews. Kenny Omega was popping monster quarter hours in the 18 to 49 and helping their television ratings. He That was nothing, if anything, 
That was a one-sided relationship for TNA. They got one of the best wrestlers in the world who helped increase their business, kept them afloat during the pandemic. Okay. What did AEW get out of that relationship? What tangible thing did they, they got the good brothers on TV every now and then. What else did AEW get out of it? They got, you could argue that they got to have Kenny Omega come on their TV as like doing the belt collector gimmick and right, put right. their guy over as this huge star. Right, it, it helped but, Kenny get over more because he was the belt collector or whatever. But would Kenny Omega be over any less if he hadn't won the Impact World title? I mean, let's be honest here. That was so one-sided at the end of the day in favor of TNA. They got way more out of that relationship than AEW did. And I know some of the world's dumbest people on the internet we're insisting that AEW was taking advantage of TNA. I have no idea how they would ever come to that conclusion other than they're just the world's dumbest people because Kenny Omega was such a boon to that company. And Tony Khan absolutely didn't have to let him do that. Okay. So if that was a shot by Scott Demore, I don't know what the fuck that man is thinking. Unless something went on behind the scenes where they got the rug pulled out from under him on some kind of deal or something that we're not privy to, then whatever. Apologies. But as far as what we're privy to, what the public is privy to, I mean, there is no way that they should be taking shots at AEW if that's what that was. Again, it could have just been promoter speak on the pay-per-view to put right, especially over Especially when a, you're sitting AAA. shoulder to shoulder, standing shoulder to shoulder with, with right. the guy from put Triple the guy A. Over. Saying, hey, this is the yeah. best partnership I've ever had, you know. Yeah, I don't know if I yeah. read as much into it as you did. Uh, I, I think it's probably just Scott Demore, promoter, speaking on the stage with another promoter, trying to put over his re- most recent partnership. But I, I know that there is some, you know, there is for some whatever, whatever reason still some harsh feelings about that Impact AEW relationship and, and that, you know, people think that AEW didn't do enough for Impact, which I think is, is again, just completely. What else were they supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. I don't know. They gave him Kenny Omega. Yeah. And help them pop, then, like you said, all their their biggest business that they've had in the entire that run anthem of the has West. ever done. Yeah, and then <laughs> right, that's entire. And then Kenny Omega put done. Rich Swan, and then he put Rich Swan over clean, didn't right. he? Mm-hmm. What the fuck else were they supposed to do for him? That's more than what. What do you think WWE would have done for them? Well, they got they had you Mickey. J- they mentioned that Mickey James is in Impact right now uh, at the Royal Rumble when they tossed her out in a minute. Yeah, and these psychopaths will tell you that that was a big deal, but giving them Kenny Omega and allowing him to be the world champion for six months and pop another company's fucking pay-per-views and television quarters, I mean, what else were they supposed to do besides hand them over fucking Rampage and make it an impact show? I mean, what else could you have done? Right. Right. Don't ask me. (laughs) That's the the weirdo. I mean, that was straight-up charity. (laughs) Yes. I still don't understand why they did it. At the time, we were like, what are they doing? Why are they doing well, this? Well, Kenny wanted to do it. Right, right, right. Callus was there at the time. His buddy was running the place or whatever. Although that was right around the time where Callus got bumped out. Mm-hmm. And Kenny wanted to do it. And Tony let him do it. And Tony got to play heel. He got to be McMahon in Memphis. So Tony was having the time of his life. Oh, he got to do those doing, videos with Tony. Yeah, he'd put the sunglasses on or whatever. and, and, and talk Yeah, and he him. showed up at the Impact Zone, you know, to sit in the front row. He did. He got to be McMahon in Memphis, the light version of that. And 
Kenny wanted to do it. And, and I guess from his standpoint, all right, well, Kenny gets to come on my TV with all these different world titles and, you know, it's the pandemic. People were getting creative, but TNA got way more out of that than, than AEW did. But, um, but anyway, now this relationship between TNA and AAA, I guess is because if you talk to the Lucha people, it never was an official kind of thing. It was just this loose arrangement of talent sharing, but, you know, now they're, they have this, you know, whatever would make that sort of thing more official than it was before is what we have now. And the the whole idea is it ties into this Black Taurus thing to me, you know, where AAA is being a little more adversarial with, with AEW now. And could it all go back to AEW doing business with CMLL through Rocky Romero? Probably. That's the easy conclusion For to sure. draw. We, we knew that that was untenable all- at a certain point, that, that once... Because New Japan was always smart to say, all right, no, our guys are CMLL, and we're not going to mix and match anybody else. We're not going to have a AAA guy wrestle a CMLL guy. We're going to keep that. Uh, we're going to keep it away. We're not going to have them on the same shows. We're not going to. Everybody else was kind of mindful of it. AEW wasn't really, and they were just kind of like, ah, whatever. Who cares? We'll figure it out. And we're going to book guys from AAA. We're going to book guys from CMLL. We're going to book guys from New Japan. We're going to intermix them all. And who cares? It's fine. And that probably wasn't going to last given the weird politics in, in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would think that that was the, uh, that's probably the source of this because it always seem, seems to be, I mean, we thought maybe they could play nice as long as they kept the AAA talent out of the same ring as the CMLL talent. But, um, you know, these things always between when it comes to those two fall apart. So, I'm looking at Kenny Omega's impact title reign. I screwed it up. He beat Rich Swan for the title. He didn't lose the title to Rich Swan. Then he beat Moose. Then he beat Sammy Callahan. And remember, he actually got a pretty, pretty decent match out of Sammy Callahan. Oh, he lost to uh, Christian, right? And then Christian he lost, lost to it. Christian. That's right. Because then remember, Christian had a pretty significant run in impact after Kenny. Yes. Okay. And then Christian lost to Josh Alexander. That's how it went. Okay, so because I guess the Christian, idea was that Kenny didn't do, he didn't put any TNA guys over. Yeah, but then yeah. Christian was in was in TNA for like four months. Right. Christian beat Omega on ramp on the first rampage, and then he defended on all the pay per views. <laughs> but, but again, but again, if the idea was well, Kenny, we need we want Kenny Omega to lose to one of our talents. Well, what are you guys offering AEW? Right. That they right because. But then Christian had a couple that he beat Brian Myers, he beat Ace Austin, and then he put Josh Alexander over at Bound for Glory 2021 on a show that drew a thousand fans in Las Vegas. Right. So I guess the idea would be, oh, well, Kenny should have put Alexander over and then the relationship would have been good. But like, that's still a very one sided, <laughs> it's an extremely one sided relationship because what was. What okay. Was... Well, Christian put him over. It's still your guy putting him over. Yeah. I mean, I know it's not Kenny, but Kenny drew all that money with those pay-per-views for, for TNA. You know, I, I think it's more than fair for then Tony to say, all right, well, I want, want my own guy to beat Kenny, but then you can beat my other guy. What's wrong with that? If you're TNA, you're still getting far more out of that. Now you're getting Christian for a couple months after you had Kenny. And now Christian will put somebody over. It's still a good deal. Absolutely. And 
that thousand people they drew or 900 people that they drew in Las Vegas, they just did, this is a good transition. They just did 1500 for hard to kill. And that allegedly is their biggest gate in eight years. Mm -hmm. So that 900 they did in Samstown with Christian on top versus Josh Alexander. Okay. And if you remember, that was that poorly booked bullshit where Josh Alexander beats Christian for the title and this emotional thing is family hits the ring and then Moose comes in and cashes in their fake money in the bank thing that, and beats them immediately. Oh, right. <laughs> right. So they didn't even get the benefit out of it because they had to turn it no. into their thing. Yeah. Because they're big old dummies and they did that stupid angle with Moose with the wannabe money in the bank shit that has to go because Moose won the thing earlier in the night. Call your own shot. Fucking horse shit. And he, and he ruined the moment, you know, and the idea was to get heat on Moose, I guess. But, um, but no, um, what my point is, that's one of their biggest houses in years that Christian drew with Josh Alexander. Because we know that the 1500 was their biggest gate in eight years. So anyway, Taurus is going to have to do some kind of name change. Um, something having to do with bulls. He'll be fine. But, um. So this hard to kill. We already talked about Nemeth showing up. We talked about Dana Brooks showing up. We talked about the AAA relationship being solidified. And uh, this hard to kill show drew. Let me get the exact number of uh, fans. I know for a fact uh, that their biggest gate. 1630, I believe. Is, the, the is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. So 1630 fans for hard to kill at the Palms Casino Resort in Las Vegas. Uh, their biggest gate in nearly a decade. And I think one of the more interesting aspects coming out of this show, and the show was fine. I watched the show today, perfectly and it was fine. a perfectly fine show. Perfectly fine show. Um, but they're going to have to catch some strays here because for whatever reason, the WWE-friendly media types have decided to use TNA as a prop in their little games that they play. And the new narrative seems to be that, oh, you know, this TNA, they could be the number two. They got things moving oh. in the right direction. God. They got things moving in the right direction. Had, this TNA. They had 1,600 really people show. to their biggest show that they've had in eight years. Nick Nemeth. Nick Nemeth showed up. I don't know. Uh, this could be a number two. Uh, they could be number two. You know, because it's all passive aggressive bullshit. <laughs> and what this. they're trying to so say. It, it's so dumb. They just did 1,600 fans, and it's their biggest gate in 10 years. You think that they're even sniffing the asshole of AEW? I mean, can we reel it in and be realistic here? Their television show on Axis, some weeks, some weeks, does like 65,000 viewers. I'm not making that number up. 70,000 viewers on a bad week. A good week, they might do 110, 120,000 viewers. And that's when they're knocking it out of the park. Okay. Rampage is doubling the numbers of this show consistently. And these are the same people that think Rampage should be canceled. But they think that TNA is right on the heels, nipping at the heels of AEW for the uh, the the mythical number two spot in America. Which, by the way, you know the mindset of these people that treat this like a sports scoreboard. Like it matters who's number two and number three and number four. Why does that matter anyway? Why is that important? 
you know, shouldn't these companies just try to be as successful as they could be? Like, why do we have to jump them on a scoreboard? I'll tell you why. Because all of these clowns are still have their brains attached to the Monday Night War. Yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. We're still we're still infected by the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars. Where you have to be ahead of these other companies or the other company perception-wise. Because, because why? Because. That's what put Eric Bischoff out of business pursuing that. And, and, and that this is how they are. They, they continue these people, these relics from the Monday Night War era. These guys in their late 40s, early 50s who are still in the game, covering this shit, covering in quotes. Okay? And they, they cannot view the wrestling business without viewing it through the lens of who's ahead of who. Who's number two? Who's number one? Who's number three? In what universe is TNA doing anywhere near the business? AEW just drew 80,000 people to a wrestling show. How many years will it take from this point forward? And I'll be gracious and throw you to 1630. They just drew in the Pops Casino Resort. How many years will it take for TNA to draw 80,000 people? Let's do the math. <laughs> probably a number of years. Yeah, Let's do to, the math. I'll try to do the math. If, if, if they Let's say early got, uh, and this is this again is their highest gate. See, and this is the problem with this kind of conversation is because instead of saying, "Hey, that's a good gate," I'm so glad that TNA finally got to where they have been in, in, in nearly that's a decade. Right. Now we're like, ah, these idiots—they're not going to get anywhere close to this. So. If every TNA pay per view did 1,630 fans, and we're assuming they do one a month, it would take them four years. To draw 78,240 fans. Right. They're still not to 80,000. They're not going to get to I mean, Greensboro. It, What's the Greensboro number at? 16,000 at this point? They won't do that this year. They won't <laughs> do it in a year. <laughs> right. What the fuck are we doing here? Being dumb. And I think and I think it was Justin Labar who made this point. That oh, guy's no. been around for years and years. <laughs> oh, and no. his point was if they get if they get a television deal. Ah. They could be number two. Hmm. Yeah, well, if I get Megan Fox to come over with me and TLB, <laughs> the I could, could have the three of my be working on that day <laughs> for sure. Yeah, right, exactly. I'll yeah, be a lot of things can happen and... if a very unrealistic thing happens, of course. And the basic problem with his premise is why on earth would anyone be giving TNA a television deal? Because if networks were knocking down the door to give TNA a television deal, they'd fucking have one because Anthem has parked it on their own network because they can't get a television deal. No one can get a television deal. Tony Khan, a proven winner at this game, cannot get television deals for ROH. Who's giving TNA a television deal? <laughs> so I found this exact tweet. And and for people that are wondering, oh, you guys are just doing a straw man. This guy uh, is a host on Busted Open, uh, does stuff for Russell Inc., does, has been around forever. Justin Labar says, quote, uh, it was fun. He's talking about he, – he's replying to a Raj Geary tweet about uh, Hard to Kill. Yeah. That's a great All start. of the greatest minds <laughs> That's a great start, here. by the way. Uh, yes. Quote, it was fun, felt energized with the TNA, uh, TNA name back and the overall production. 
if they can get some better weekly TV slash distribution, they could shake things up fighting for that number two spot in the United States. No. This guy thinks, first of all, who's giving them a TV deal? Second of all, do you think 800,000 people a week are magically tuning into TNA Wrestling if they get a television deal? The show isn't that good. They don't have any stars. How about they get some stars? There's no stars in this company. AEW has stars. And I know these people's brains are infected by the Jim Cornette, Eric Bischoff virus of AEW is failing and is going to die any day now, which is why these people are driven nuts when AEW doesn't die and continues to exist and thrive. Because Jim Cornette's been saying they're going to die from the day they began. And that fool has never been right. And Eric Bischoff goes on the air every week on his dopey podcast and says, well, if you're not growing, then you're dying. And whatever other cliche he throws out there. I mean, he would know about dying. (laughs) He would know about unsuccessful wrestling companies for sure. Yeah. But I mean, you know, he just so. And they listen to these goofs. They listen to these goofs. And then they, they they believe it. Oh, they must be AEW must be dying. Oh, if TNA only had a TV contract, oh, they'd be right there, number two spot with what stars? With what stars? Tell me. Chris Sabin is no no offense to any of these people, but Chris Sabin's leading them to glory. Moose, Jordan Grace, these are nice little wrestlers. What kind of revenue are they doing versus what AEW is doing? You think a tele, you think you think they're just going to magically get a television deal and then start matching AEW in revenue? You think they could put twenty thousand people in a building like AEW is about to do, in, or however many eighteen thousand in Greensboro for the Sting retirement? You know, a star. They don't have any fucking stars. These people, Rich, they'll just say anything. Yeah, and that's the kind of asinine talk. Again, like I said, that it really undermines like how it's cool that TNA is out there signing people. It's cool that TNA has a TNA name back and is 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 rebranding and is really trying to do a lot to get themselves out there after years of kind of sputtering. And hey, here's their biggest show that they've had in 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 eight years, and one of the biggest shows that they've had with Anthem or whatever. There's a lot of really really cool stuff going on in that company right now, and it's not enough to just say that because. Again, these people are these people don't care about TNA. These people don't know about TNA. These people don't watch TNA. They, they you know what I mean? It's like it's a they, prop in an in a exactly. it's a prop in their in their tribalistic argument. Right. It, it's the it child is. in a divorce. You know what I mean? Where where they're yes. using it to to get one over on the person that you know that they hate or whatever. And it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you, you have no idea what you're talking about. And 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 in the show. And the, and here's the thing: the show wasn't that good. It really wasn't. It was it, an okay wrestling show. It suffered from a lot of the same issue that I have with with Impact shows over the last year, where I watch them, and kind of like you said, it's there's an okay roster there, but I don't think the the talent on that roster is being utilized properly, and I also don't think there's any stars. And I think that's really what the biggest deal is: is that you have a lot of these undercard matches, and and there's you know, there's your your Josh Alexander, who I think is awesome. Um, Jake something I think has a lot of potential, but they seem to never be able to do anything consistent with him. 
Alex Hammerstone bringing him in is, is a great move. I love Hammerstone in, in, in TNA. I think that works. And so you got those guys on the undercard, but none of those guys are like, you know, other, with the extent, with the exception of Josh Alexander, who's who's could be a top guy, but he's not a a, a money drawing top guy. He's not a guy that's going to really you know move the needle or whatever. And then Moose, I mean, I like Moose, but I don't. They, we've been down the Moose path before. I mean, Alex Shelley, I, I I like Alex Shelley. I think he's good, but like, yeah, he's he's a guy that holding the title for a little. I mean, it, they're devoid of like. They're devoid of tippy top talent and they're devoid of stars, and I think that's always going to put the ceiling on them. Is, is and we always say we we talked about this last year when we were talking about Impact a lot. What do you, what does Impact do that nobody else does? What what does Impact do that you can't get anywhere else that you're not going to be able to watch anywhere else? And I I think they're perfectly acceptable, perfectly good pro wrestling, but I can get perfectly good and perfectly acceptable pro wrestling a lot of places. I think that's ultimately why I'm never going to get fully into uh, TNA. For now, and we'll see. I mean, I, I watch this hard to kill, and I'll, I'll obviously keep an eye on their pay per views moving forward. But I just, it feels like, it feels like missable wrestling most times, and it feels like something that's not that important. And if you miss it, you're you're fine. You know what I mean? Like you're not, you're not missing great matches. You're not missing great stars. You're not missing great stories. You're not really missing anything by not watching Impact or, or, or TNA. Well, look, if I'm a television executive and I'm looking for content, and I watched this show my biggest concern would be their production. I'm not putting that on my network. I'm going to have to kick in a lot of money to get this up to speed to be um, a legitimate player. I mean, it's not, it's Mickey Mouse production. It's not major league uh, television production. That's a, that's a big problem. You know, so it would, it would take a massive influx of cash either from Anthem in that case, or from the network who, you know, and now we're talking about a network bringing them in and paying to improve their production and paying them to provide their content. Look, Tony Khan couldn't even get a, you know, his first contract was just an ad split. And he had the money and he had top tier production and he had stars, but he had to prove himself. You know, so I don't know. It's 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 just preposterous. And, and, and that's kind of the new talking point now is, you know, and again, it, it's a shame. Because now TNA has to catch some strays when we should be celebrating the fact that they did a nice little house here for this show and have signed a couple free agents and they're doing a nice little job in their little lane. But that's all it is. You don't have to get carried away. There's no reason to get carried away here. Hopefully, you know, they keep on growing. And then maybe someday they could get a better television deal than just being parked on the network that the that the company that owns them also owns. Right. Okay, because they wouldn't even be on TV. They'd be out of business if if Anthem didn't own them because and and Anthem didn't own a television station for them to be on because nobody can get a TV deal. I don't know how to fuck Billy Corgan got his got on the CW app. I don't know what he did. And, And who knows? He might end up on CW Network. And oh, by the way. If that show ends up on the CW Network. You know, don't worry about TNA being number two. Worry about TNA being like number four. New Japan outdraws them in the United States. We just talked about it. Okay. And New Japan's television show airs right after impacts and only does like, you know, 20 to 30,000 less viewers per week. Right. For not first run content. For not first run content that airs two hours later, not in prime time. That every New Japan fan has probably watched already. Yeah. And New Japan did 2,200 fans this weekend. 
and Impact uh, or TNA did sixteen hundred, and New Japan's about to do five thousand in Chicago. When's the last time TNA drew five thousand fans? Fuck. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it would. It's probably. I don't know. Yeah, you got to go back to. Uh, uh, it's it's probably the Alamo Dome show that I went to in two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, did they get five thousand for that show? It was like six thousand. I think. Okay, it's their biggest house ever in America. My brain is telling me it was six thousand. Might have been. I don't know. If you tell me it was four thousand, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think it. I think it was about six thousand. But the point here is. I mean, and then if, if if NWA gets on CW, Rich, CW's worst performing shows do over two hundred thousand viewers a week. They're worst shows. So, if the NWA is on CW, they're going to double Impact's viewership, and they're they they're likely being paid. Impact doesn't get paid. So how would you not – the NWA would be ahead of right. that. Right, I think that's an important distinction that a lot of people maybe lose is that Impact is, is – or TNA, lesser extent, you know, Impact is now the name of the show officially again. But that that's just there as content for that network or whatever. It's It's not generating revenue in the same way that a lot of these other companies are generating revenue in terms of a, a, a network – cuts them a check that then they can spend on stuff. This is essentially just like like ROH was in Sinclair. It's like, oh, cool, we now have content for our, our television network, which is good to keep you alive, but also bad in terms of you're not really generating revenue, uh, any revenue from that. You're basically just, you know, not necessarily breaking even, but, you know, you're just, you're just a part of the – you're just a cog in the wheel of the network type of thing, which is diff- different than getting paid by a network to produce your television and, and, and presumably making you know X amount of dollars every month or every week or whatever based off that television show that you're delivering to that channel. And here's what we know. The hypothetical, if TNA can get a deal, we know the NWA has a deal. We know they have a real, it's a real tangible thing. They have a deal with the CW. Right now they're on the app. Well, New we don't Japan, know if they're going to be on. Here's the thing: New Japan is getting paid more by access than than, than TNA is. Because you know, what I mean, like, yeah. just from that standpoint, right there, they're not. Yeah, right there is 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 all the evidence. So, it that's just yeah, it's it's asinine thoughts, and it's 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 these dumb things that make the conversations in wrestling so much worse than they need to be because everything is is yet. Yeah. And this Okada news is the same thing. It's just now it's people lobbing shots back and forth that it, it it's we've. The tribalism is just and you know what's funny something it's else. and we've seen this play out so many times and then if he signs with AEW the WWE fans will then claim that he's terrible that's the game that's how you play the game you know these WWE like fans <laughs> I don't want to play I tap out <laughs> they trip over themselves whenever there's go home I don't like this game you notice whenever there's a sniff of WWE working with New Japan or something some dumb rumor pops up they all get all excited, right? Ah, oh, it's going to be great. They start booking dream matches. Then Tony Khan actually does it with Forbidden Door, and they all bury it. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's, it's gross. And it's these media types who feed into it. Right. But anyway, um, nice little house for, for Hard to Kill. The show was fine. Um, I'm to I don't out even what my know favorite match was uh, of the night. Well, one thing I'm going to bring up here real quick. We don't have to go match by match. because I think that's going to kind of be exhausting. We're a little late in the show anyway. 
what did you think of starting the show off, starting the new era of 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 TNA with the knockouts Ultimate X match? I get you want to do Ultimate X because that's that's a hallmark match of TNA, the Ultimate X. So I get that, and I guess you want to promote that. Hey, we have this great women's division, or we, we push women, so it's like it makes all the sense. But that match wasn't good, and it wasn't going to be good. I, I would have started with the, the the best match. I would have started with Saban, Vikingo, and Kushida or something like that. Or, or 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 you know what I mean? Like something like that that really – I guess I'm looking up and down the card, and I don't know what I would start it with because I don't think there was a whole lot of hot matches on the show. But I would have started it with a hot match. I would I – would, my, my way to honor the TNA's past would be to have a really hot X Division opener. I don't know if I would have honored it with this Ultimate X match, which I did. I didn't think it was any good. No, nah, they didn't have the right people for that. And the we fans knew that tried. Match the fans really tried. There was so many "This is awesome" yeah. chants and TNA chances while this match was going on, and they I, the wrestlers tried as well. But this is not the type of match for these people. Nobody got. I mean, how many people got no, actually got that, involved yeah. with the X? It, a lot of it was no. we're just going to fall on a bunch of people, but not they, seven people went to the top turnbuckle and fell from the top turnbuckle and landed on a bunch of people. And I think, with the exception of Jody Threat. And Giselle Shaw, like pretty much nobody else got on the the actual ropes of the Ultimate X. You know what I mean? And we knew that was going to be the case. Yeah. And that's how it played out. So, um, no, I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was terrible or anything, but it wasn't your traditional TNA Ultimate X, ma- Ultimate X match. You know, they just, we knew they didn't have the right people who could, who could make it a great Ultimate X match. So, um, then they brought Decay back later on. I, you know, Havoc is the shits. And, and won their titles. <laughs> and won their tag titles. You have to listen to, uh, uh, what's his name? R- uh, Matthew R- Real Walter, whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> Drama King Matt, yeah. Um, he's like, he's like, I can't believe Decay is back. These immortal personalities uh. back from the undead realm. Matt, I just want to watch a wrestling match. I immortal personalities from an right. undead realm. I why? Why? Can't take it. Um I guess Moose and Alex Shelley was the best match. Shelley worked over his leg. Yeah, that, that's fair. That was that was that was a very good main event style match, for sure. And I thought that. Jordan Grace Trinity was the best match Trinity ever had in the company. I, 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 there's just too many multi-person matches and it loses me. You know, the three-way tag or the four-way tag rather. I I don't know. I just, my mind just blanks out, you know, the X division three-way, same thing. Like Kingo, Kushida and Chris Saban. You know, I wonder how it's going to affect Vikingo in, in AEW, but I think those guys have split contracts, a lot of those guys. That, that's what I was going to ask those when we were talking about that. Like, you got like guys like Vikingo and, and, and I guess, Commander and, and Bandito. It's like the we- a weird in-between for a lot of those guys. And, yeah, I don't know what... I think they have split deals. I don't think, you know... And I think, obviously, any of those guys that Tony wants, he's going to have them full-time when their AAA deals are up. Um, as long as they keep their um, visas in a row and all that, you know, he'll triple A can't match. It's the same deal with like New Japan. You can't match the money. Right, right. But, you know, the show was fine. I mean, this show didn't knock my socks off. Alex Hammerstone debuted. I don't know if they're going to bring him in. They should. 
and they had him like lose they to Josh Alexander. It really sounded like he was in. That would yeah. be my guess, is, is that he's in. You know, and they had him lose right off the bat, maybe to test his ego. I don't know. But um, because, you know, the guy never lost. He never loses an MLW. And, and really, that MLW speech, he really made it sound like he was gone with his goodbye speech. So that'll be a good pickup for them. Ah, show was fine. I mean, I've seen worse for sure. I've seen worse TNA shows before where I'm like, oh man, this sucks. It doesn't have me excited was... for their next thing. You know what I mean? It, it, it's one of those where I was like, all right, here we go. We got a whole new company and I was ready to kind of wipe this. Like, Cause we stopped talking about them last year, pretty much for this reason. We'd, we'd watch their pay-per-view and I'd come on the show and just Tried. be like, I There's don't know. Going on. I don't know. <laughs> like, what do you want me to say? Not that exciting and nothing really worked for me. And then I went to Bound for Glory and I, I thought that was a pretty fun show uh, to go to live. Obviously, Osprey and Bailey helped a lot. And then the, the TNA thing started. And I was like, all right, this is a whole new chapter for this company. It kind of just feels like the same company with a new coat of paint on it. And and that's, you know, the, yeah, they're do, they're making some moves, which I'll, I'll give them credit for. Hammerstone, Nemeth. Ash by elegance, you know, doing some of these things is 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 nice, and yeah, okay, I'm I'm it, but I just it's it feels like a lot like the same that we were getting, yeah, for the last couple and, of years, and, and I haven't been that interested. And I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but if this were an AEW pay per view, it'd be one of the five worst of all time. Oh, it'd be the worst of all time, I think. Mm, yeah, I mean, maybe it. Yeah, you're, it could be. You know, if I really looked at it, I think but every it, AEW pay per view at least has one great match. great match this yeah at least match. one yeah you're right this would probably have been the worst aew pay-per-view of all time i was being charitable when i said bottom five so you know just to circle back to that dopey point like how do you watch this and think that this is anywhere in the same universe as in a, a typical aew pay-per-view you know so anyway that was uh that was hard to kill what else we got as we uh, so oh, yeah, we're running a little low on time here, so let's get to uh, well, actually, we, we, I think we're, we're we might be all right here. Uh, we got the FSM 50, we released uh, that at voicesofwrestling.com this week. Uh, we do this uh, annually, and there's a lot of details about the history of, of, of the FSM 50, uh, the background of it. Uh, Alan Farrell, who uh, Alan Cunahan uh, from PW Torch, he uh, sort of he, he does the write up, he, he's the one that's kind of the ringleader of this entire thing, and, and he does a write up at the beginning of uh, every year, just kind of explaining the history and the background. Uh, of the FSM 50 and, uh, you know, the ba- you know how it came to be and, and, and the reasons for it. But, you know, when, when Fighting Spirit Magazine closed and this thing needed a home and it, you know, had been going on for a while, we were more than happy to, to host it. And, uh, you know, we're, po- we're obviously both a part of the panel. A bunch of other contributors to uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com are part of the panel uh, for the FSM 50. And, uh, yeah, it's always a lot of fun to, to do this, rank it, and uh, release it to the world. And we did. And number one. For the second year in a row, and I think the third time overall in his uh, career, Will Ospreay, the number one wrestler of the year uh, in the FSM 50. And by the way, the, the way we put this together is there's a panel of people. Everybody kind of votes. We average it out, and then we kind of argue a little bit about It's not necessarily arguing. A lot of times it's, it's, it's pretty obvious. There's maybe a few little spots here and there. But essentially, we all rank. We all put our numbers in. We, we kind of average everybody out, see where everybody ranks, and there sometimes are very clear, you know, rankings and sometimes it's like all right well we got to move this guy up a little because everybody had you know there was wildly different rankings for this guy and this guy and this guy if somebody truly believes somebody they can kind of argue for for this person but you know i thought this year was was pretty easy to put this list together and i think everybody kind of came to a very decent conclusion and i think that result was a really really diverse really good list and and a list that i'm pretty proud to, to post on our site I, I think a lot of other 
promising lists out there would not have the balls to put the type of people that we have on this list, you know, as high as we have on this list. But, you know, we don't care because that's kind of what we do. Well, someone has to do it. Right. Someone someone has to do it. This is uh, PWI Fuminori Abe in their top 10. I'll tell you that. You may I don't think he was in the top 10 of PWI 500. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is a work rate list for work rate nerds. And and, you know, um, more mainstream lists and, you know, not everything is for everyone and not everything has to be for everyone. And this is based on mostly bell to bell work, you know, um, regardless of push. But obviously, the harder your push, the bigger matches you're in. So that obviously has an effect. And how well you uh you know it just it's 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 not based on any kind of politics or or anything like that it's just uh, a nerdy work rate style list and honestly i think that the way the top 50 came out this year and it's like rich said it's not straight math we average everything out and then you know you lobby for people you say i really think this guy should be higher or I think this guy had a special year and we should find a place for him or, you know, whatever the case may be, or this guy, I know he came out in this spot, but he didn't wrestle too much. Maybe we should bump him down a little, you know, you, you lobby for your, for your people and you make cases. And then Alan puts the final list together. He's the final, he's the judge and the jury. And then we come up with a list. And I really think that for the voices of wrestling years that we've hosted it since FSM shut down, this is the best list we've ever put together. I, I didn't like last year's. I was actually pretty vocal about it. I thought last year's just didn't come out of the wash very well. I thought there was way too much Dragon Gate. I thought there was way too much Joshi. I thought Dragon Gate and Joshi were overrepresented last year. Um, I think we found the right balance of voters that we have right now. I think that WWE is still slightly underrepresented. I voted personally for, I think, five WWE wrestlers. I think one made the final list. Um, Gunther made the final list. I had Cody on my list. I had Brock Lesnar on my list. Um, all right, so I think I only had three. No, and I had Ilya Dragunov. So yeah, I, had, I had Dragunov on there as well, and he was in the honorable mentions. Yeah, so I had four uh, WWE wrestlers. Only one made the final list, and... I think that was a little light. I think, oddly enough, with our panel, this is strange to say, but again, it speaks to how the list comes out. I think the biggest blind spot with a lot of our voters is WWE. We have a lot of voters who just don't watch it Mm -hmm. at all. And you know what? That's okay. You know, because the best of the best do make it. And again, not everything is for the mainstream WWE fan, and not everything should be for the mainstream WWE fan. They have enough. I talk about this when we talk about the Observer Hall of Fame all the time. Like, it's not for you. You know, like you have the WWE Hall of Fame. If you want to complain about so-and-so not getting in the Observer Hall of Fame, that's for the nerds to dig in and do nerdy things. And and that's what this list is, too. And I really think this was the best list that we've put together to date. Uh, Look, do I agree with it? 100%? Of course not. You know, there's people I don't. You know, I would, you know, because we all had our own lists. You know, obviously, I think my list is the correct list. But as a collective list, I think it's the best one we put together yet. The biggest points of contention seem to be the lack of MJF. I personally had him at number 24. 
you know, even though I didn't like a lot of his creative, he had too many great matches for me I to deny. I voted for him too. Yeah, I, I, I voted for him as well. Yeah, but he didn't make the final list, and I understand why. Because he had a year that was very divisive, and a lot of the voters just didn't include him. And a lot of the voters thought he had some great matches, but just didn't have enough. Right. He didn't wrestle volume. that much. He did not wrestle that yeah. much that last year. Volume matters to a lot of the voters. You know, it doesn't matter as much to me. I had Brock Lesnar on my list because he had a bunch of great matches early in the year and then disappeared. So I don't value volume as much as some other people if you have great stuff. So I had MJF. I had Brock Lesnar. But, you know, MJF didn't make the list. And I know that was a point of contention. Tam Nakano was another one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I've seen people complain about. I can't speak to that one. I know nothing about her. Um, so, you know, I, I will abstain from giving an opinion. But I saw some people say that it was uh, – uh, some people went as far as to say it was just an absolute joke that she wasn't on the list. But the thing is, we have very knowledgeable Joshi people involved in this. So I'm going to trust the process and the people we have involved. She got some votes. She was on the list of people who got some votes, but she didn't make the list. So I thought MJF and Tam Nakano were the two that most people have, have griped about. Um, a virus. I, I, there was a couple people upset about him not being from from CMLL. Yeah, you know, virus had a lot of good lightning matches this year, but he wasn't one of the fifty best wrestlers to me. You know, I had him on my short list of like the final one fifty, but he didn't get much further than that. And I don't think anybody ultimately had him in their top fifty. You know, when it comes to virus, I you know, I was pleased with the uptick of lucha people that ended up on the final list, particularly from CMLL. Yes, yeah, I mean, that lucha Teton, showed out finally got there finally and I, they've been lucha has been underrepresented every year on this thing until this year thanks to cmll's big year teton finished ninth which was great i mean i think i had no where did he finish i had him ninth where did he finish on the list 11th he was 11 yeah yeah i had him ninth and i was like man i'm gonna be the high man on teton but everybody had him high which was nice to see but teton Soberano Jr., Templario, Rocky Romero, Mystico. I think they all made the list, which was Volador Jr. Didn't he make it too? I think yeah, Mystico did. was 17th. Uh, Soberano was 20th. Uh, let me see. Templario was 38th. And yeah, that might be that might be it in terms of the straight oh, okay. CMO. So but but that's, that's, that's not bad. And then Rocky Romero was thirty fourth. mostly on the on the back of, of Look, what he did. Rocky wasn't making it without the CMO. <laughs> right, right, right. So which one did I name didn't make it? Templario didn't make it? Uh no, Templario was thirty eighth. Who did you oh, go over? So your they all again? made it. So oh, then, no, Teton. Yeah, he, yeah, T- yeah, yeah. Teton. He was eleventh, yeah. Soberano. Mm-hmm. Templario. Yep. Um Volador. Valador might be the one that didn't make it. He's the one that didn't make he did, it. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, because Rocky was the other one, and he made it. Yeah, and then, you know, there was a triple-A guy or two, Vikingo. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, Lucha finally got their due. Um, look, I, I didn't need, like, seven Dragon Gate guys. Like, it's ridiculous last year, you know, and, and, and like, so many Joshi. Like, one-sixth of the best 50 wrestlers in the world were Joshi. I can't buy that. So, this year, I thought it was just much more balanced from that standpoint where – uh, I think everything was represented as fairly as I have seen it in terms of these lists that we've done. What's interesting is I'm curious. 
who was your highest person that you had that didn't make the list? I didn't make it. Let me let me grab my list real quick and see. Um, that didn't make it let at all. Up, uh, out of the list. Yeah, let, let's see where where mine was. I don't remember my list a hundred percent. Let's see. All right. Uh, that didn't. I'll make look the at the list. Li- Go all. ahead and yeah. read them off, and I'll and I'll I'll tell you when someone. You want me to read the whole list for you? Yeah. Who do you Who do you got? Who Who right. Who you got? Nope. I found my I found my person. But uh, all right. So oh, the, you found our, well, who is it? Uh, I had uh, uh, Miyu Yamashita from uh, <clears throat> from Joshi from the Joshi World. Uh, I had her twenty uh, first. Okay. Tokyo she Joshi, highest, and, and and she did not make it, as far as I know. All right, so let me see if I could find mine. I know they all made it. Did Desperado make it? Uh, Desperado did make it. He was 41st. All right. Um, how about Castagnoli? He made well, actually, it, Well, right? actually, shit, I found, I found a better one. I had Ilya Dragunov 17th. Oh, there you go. I mean, he was phenomenal this year so it's like yeah you know yeah i had him 17 i want i don't know if i was the highest voter on him but uh yeah that that uh that's probably it right there it's a volume argument with him yeah um i get it did castagnoli make it claudio he was 24th 24th yeah all right so then my highest is the young bucks i know they didn't make it i had them 22 okay i had them 26 so not because of us <laughs> not because of us. and i had mjf 24 he would have been the next one i was annoyed that kojima didn't make it i had him 26 yeah. i thought he was fantastic all over the world that one i am uh bothered by but you know look again overall though you know i think that this was the best list that we uh that we've that we've put together yet the, the um, top ten, I just think, speaks to like I don't think there's another website on the planet that would that would come together. And and for the record, this is not us. And I know that those fucking morons on on Reddit are all right. Forces of wrestling, of course they would have a WWE. They hate WWE. It's not us. There's a lot of people that don't work for this website that vote on this thing as well. Adam Summers it doesn't fucking work here. Alan doesn't work. So calm down a little bit, pal. But. The top ten, you know that that I think re- there's no other website on earth that I think would would result in a top ten like this. Getting getting a bunch of people together and voting on something and posting it on a website, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a top ten that looks like this. Will Osprey is number one, Brian Danielson number two, Kento Miyahara number three. Right there, find me another website on the planet that's going to put Will Osprey, Brian Danielson, Kento Miyahara together, you know, in, in a countdown like this. John Moxley, Yuma Oyagi number five, John Moxley number four. Uh, Kazuchika Okada, number six. Mike Bailey, number seven. Fuminori Abe, number eight. There is no other website on the planet, I promise you, uh, that, that is that is putting him. Not not one that has the amount of traffic that we do. Number nine, Kenny Omega. Number 10, Zack Sabre Jr. I mean, right there, right there that speaks to just a very cool and diverse le- uh, list. Then you go to the top 15. I think you, you then now represent pretty much all, you know, Teton at number 11. Orange Cassidy at number 12. Uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima at 13. Uh, Madoka Kakuda, number 14, and number 15, Julia. So so just in that top 15 alone, you have Major America, Japan, Joshi, Mexico, Indy, America, Indy, Japan. I mean, that's that's pretty damn good right there. That That, that is well, well represented, even in that top 10. Top yeah, 20, you add I a mean, bunch of the other. You know, you know, Mystico gets in there at 17, Sobrano at, 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 at number 20, Heyman Page, Swerve, Shingo. Like, you really start now representing a lot of the, the world of wrestling that's worth it. Yeah. 
Not a whole lot of Brit rest in there, but how much of Brit rest really deserves to be in there? No Australia, but how much of Australia really deserves to be in there right now? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Luke Jacobs is in, and he had a great year and deserved it. Didn't he make the list? Uh, Luke, Luke Jacobs, Jacobs number thirty. Uh, Axel Tischer uh, is number thirty-first. He's in there. Um, yeah, so I mean, Chris Brooks, thirty-three, obviously doing well, a lot of stuff off of across DDT. the world. Yeah, DDT. across the DT or whatever. But still, I think a guy that's that D- you know, that's off DT. Look. I still think WWE is a little underrepresented. I agree. I mean, but, but, you know, at the same time, the WWE wrestlers who didn't make it, I'm not particularly worked up about. I had Cody on my list, but I can see why someone wouldn't vote for Cody. I had Brock on my list. Cause you know, those three Cody matches I thought were, were great. I mean, I love Brock. And then the match against Bobby Lashley at elimination chamber, where he just punched him in the dick and got DQ'd. I love that shit, <laughs> but I get why people aren't into it. I love it. I if Brock wrestles in a year, I'm voting for him. Guys, I love I love Brock Lesnar. Uh, we need more Brock Lesnar's in pro wrestling. Um, you know, but I could see why people wouldn't vote for him. Uh, Dragonov, it was a vo- an issue of volume. And then who else is there? Rollins? What? Is, like Rollins is the most overrated wrestler on the planet. Right. I right, mean, right. That, that company isn't conducive is to what we're voting for. Is like great no. matches and volumes of great matches. That's just not what that company does anymore. Wherever. What great matches did he have? Like, right. I, like Logan Paul. I love that guy. It's a volume thing. He had like three matches. You know, so he's so he's so he's hard to vote for. Um, who else? Who else would you even like? Wh- where are these great snubs from the company? That's the thing. I mean, so on one hand, I can say they're underrepresented. On the other hand, I don't have a great argument for who's missing. For anyone who's missing. I mean, who? Sami Zayn? All right, he had the Roman match. What else? You want to throw those tags in with Kevin Owens? I think they got some votes as a tag team, right? Zayn and Zane and Owens? They did. They got votes they did. as a tag yeah. team. Yeah. I mean, okay. But do I think that's some great snub? I don't think it is. Carmelo? Hayes? No. I mean, those 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 matches were Dragunov's babies. Those match, You know, outside of that, what's he got? Some multi-mans? It was all right. Um, I don't know. You you want to put Charlotte and Rhea Ripley in there because they had one great match together. What else did either one of them do all year? From this standpoint, from with this criteria, nothing. So Becky, you want to make an argument for? Be- I could see Becky. I almost voted for Becky, but at the end of the day, I didn't think she was one of the fifty best wrestlers in the world. No, no, no. But I liked what she did particularly on the back end of the year, but she wasn't one of the 50 best. I can't justify that. When I'm leaving off people like, like Hechicero and Yuji Nagata, like I left those people off. I left Eddie Kingston off. I left Orange Cassidy off my list. I'm going to put Becky on. So, you know, 50 is not a lot. That's the other thing. Yeah. Like you said, Satoshi Kojima not making it. It it seems tough to then argue for Carmelo Hayes and Seth freaking Rollins. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I mean, people think it's like, oh, you know, but you, you try plotting out 50. You you use up the spots really quick. It's really not a lot of wrestlers when you're talking about 50. Because they're shoe-ins. And once you get done with your shoe-ins, you don't have a whole lot of left to go. Trust me. I I had that same thing. I was like, fuck. (laughs) I'm already. (laughs) Shit, I used 20 people already. And these are like the ones that were like, yeah, duh. These are the top 20 guys for me. Uh, It's quick. Yeah. So um, now that I'm talking myself through it, I don't know that WWE got shortchanged. I don't know if that's even true. Um, 
you know, so I, I don't know. The, the, the point is Gunther had to be on it there. Yeah, you know, you couldn't get, you know, and he, and he did and he did well, you know, and, and, you know, at that point it's, it's guys that just didn't have enough volume, but no, this was the, I really thought I was so pleased with how it came out. I really think this was the best one yet. We've got a nice mix on the panel. I think where everything gets represented in the proper proportion. And this is where I'm going to pat ourselves on the back. This is where we need to exist and do things like this because no one's doing shit like this anymore. It is increasingly becoming where no one is doing shit like this anymore and viewing wrestling through the kind of lens that we view it. And we used to be one of many and it just isn't that way anymore. You know, these kind of things have all become super mainstream and WWE slash AEW focused. If you look at Sports Illustrated or you look at Pro Wrestling Illustrated and their awards that recently came out, or you look at the Fightful Award nominees and, um, Hell, you know, the Wrestling Observer Awards. I mean, that's going to be dominated by Dota B and AEW up and down the board. And, and, and when applicable, those places should win things. There's no doubt about it. And they should get recognized. But, uh, but, you know, you bring up a guy like Fuminari Abe, who was arguably in the best tag team in the world this year and had singles matches to go along with it. And, you know, they just, you know, like the, the DVD VR used to put out their five, their top 500 every year. And they're, they're, no one's doing this kind of thing anymore, anymore. It, like, it's just us. And I think it's important. To have this kind of diverse representation and say, oh, no, 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 no. You guys get everything else. This is a list of wrestlers, wrestlers. Okay. So this is why we do things like this. And this is why, you know, our match of the year, we, we try to do it a little different and do it with media only. So it's just not another fan list it's going to get inundated with the same you know that that all these other you know so i think it's it's an important that you know i know um a lot of people have their opinions on us and everything but i i really think we do do something important that that needs that needs to exist when it comes to things like this you know the you know find me another list like this that doesn't have seth rollins on it and it's not spiteful to keep Seth Rollins off. It's to say, no, there's the kind of fan who doesn't think Seth Rollins is great. Yeah. And we'll tell you why. We can back it up. <laughs> right, right. Okay? And we can tell you why Teton was great this year. So, And why Fuminori Abe uh, deserves to be in the top 10 of, of a list. And why Kenta Miyahara yeah, was and, challenging for a top spot and had to settle for third. Yume Oyagi, fifth. Top five wrestler in the world. And I've been critical of it in the past. I thought I didn't think last year's was good. I was I was a little embarrassed of last year's, if I'm being completely honest. I, I didn't think it was good at all. It just And it's no one's fault. It's just it's how it came out of the wash. You know what I mean? It's just um, – but this year's I'm really proud of. And, you know, and again, you everyone listening will have their nitpicks and can probably make valid arguments as to and why that's someone – That's good. That's helpful. That is good. You, you could probably make valid arguments why someone belongs or someone doesn't belong. And, 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 you know, and that's, you know, because no list is ever going to be perfect or flawless or anything like that. It's, hard, it's not easy. So anyway, I thought it was a really good list this year. So that's available again, uh, voicesofwrestling.com. We're also in the midst of our match of the year uh, voting going on right now. And that list will start dropping next mm-hmm. week. 
uh, as well. So if you are listening to this and you're a wrestling media member, uh, time is running out. If you got a ballot, uh, you need to have your ballot submitted to us by Sunday at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. Uh, no late ballots or anything because then we start counting stuff almost immediately after that. Uh, if you do not have a ballot and you're a wrestling media member, a blogger, a podcast or whatever, and you want a ballot, uh, definitely reach out to us as soon as possible so we can get you uh, a ballot and get you voted in there. And, yeah, the only prerequisite is that you're a wrestling media member. But other than that, um, doesn't matter what type of wrestling you like. <laughs> it doesn't. We're just you got to be in the wrestling media and then you can vote. And uh, I'm really happy with how the list looks right now. Uh, we'll see what the final uh, re- result comes in, but it's a lot of the same stuff that we just talked about with the FSM 50, where not, uh, not a lot of match. I, there, there's tippy top matches that would appear on a lot of other match of the year lists and, and top matches of the year's list or whatever, but there's a lot of matches that would not. And I think I really like that. In, 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 our, in the top 10, there's a couple of matches that I'm confident you are not going to find in a lot of other <laughs> countdowns and uh, get to the top 50, and it's, it, it gets pretty wild in, in, a, in a good way. Very, very diverse. So. Uh, very uh, very happy with how that's turned out so far. So we'll see how that ends up shaking out with a couple days left to go uh, in the voting. So, Joe, we are uh, a little out of time, but I do want to get to these last few topics. Uh, it's up to you. Do you want Or do you want to hold these off for another week? No, let's do these three matches. We can okay. talk about these three matches very they're quickly. Quick. So- yeah, they're, they're quick. So you're getting some bonus audio here. Not enough for a full overrun, so you're just going to get bonus audio and enjoy it. No, I think this is all we have left, so we can, we can get through these. So... Um, it was the first week in Japan, obviously. So all the promotions are having their big shows. The big uh, main event on the big Japan Corkin show, which drew, I think, 600 and something fans. So, you know, big Japan still chugging along. Yuya Aoki, who's had a nice title run, defended his title against Leighton Buzzard, who uh, has come up on the flagship a bit over the last year or so. Uh, they went 22 minutes, almost 23 minutes for the big Japan strong title. Um, this match is getting some buzz. I didn't love it. I thought it was a little excessive. They did a little too much and there wasn't a ton of connective tissue to it. It felt more like, I don't want to say two guys taking turns doing things. Cause then it makes it sound like a spot fest, which it wasn't. It was just, they went for an Epic and it just didn't connect for me and it didn't land. And I don't think, um, it was like two guys wrestling almost two different matches and both trying to have an epic world title match and not having the, the same ideas. And I don't know, it just didn't feel like a cohesive match to me. I guess that was my biggest problem with it. I thought yeah. they worked hard and, um, you know, it just didn't work for me. I think I liked it a little bit better than you. And I, I, I don't think it's incredible. I've seen a lot of people say like 10 out of 10, five stars, you know, I don't think it's that level, but I do think I liked it a little bit more. I, I, I think that they, you're right that they went for the epic and they probably didn't get to the epic. And I don't know that Leighton Buzz, I, I don't know if either of these guys are quite ready for that kind of epic match or whatever. But what I will say is, though, there was a lot of really good effort. I liked the story of the match. I liked that the first couple, you know, 10 minutes or so were, were, were pretty slow moving, a little like, you know, lightly paced. It was kind of settling in for a big time main event. And then, you know, like you said, the point came where they just started slapping each other, kicking each other, you know, dropping each other on their heads, that sort of stuff, headbutts. And just kind of, you know, went went through that period for the last couple of minutes. And, and I don't know. I, I ended up kind of liking it at the end. With that said, I'm probably like four and a quarter stars. So it's not, you know, it's a match that I like. It's a match that's going to go in the notebook, but not one that I think is like a match of the year contender uh, or, or, or anything like near there or anywhere near flirting with five stars. But I think if you haven't watch Big Japan in a while, or what I'll say more than anything is if you if you don't know the two guys we're talking about, if you've, you've never heard of Aoki, and you've never heard of Buzzard, and, and you're kind of curious what the deal is with these guys, I think this is a good introduction to both these guys, and and, and Buzzard is a guy that you kind of put me onto 
uh, a couple of months ago, and I went and watched a lot of his stuff, and I really, really like him. I think that there's a lot of potential there. He's still very young, if I remember correctly. I, I forget how old he is, but he is still shockingly young, and he's starting to get it in terms of a lot of the other aspects of wrestling, in terms of, of no, he's 26 years old. Damn, yeah. So he's, 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 he's getting better. And you could see his confidence growing, and he's got a good kind of chicken shit look to him. He's got the mullet. He's good at facials. He's, he's got a lot of that stuff going for him. So I would say, yeah, don't, don't go into this match expecting to see one of the best matches of the year, but go in watching two guys that uh, – I looked up Yuya Aoki. He's 27 as well. So you're going in watching two guys that are, are still in their mid-20s, mid to late-20s or whatever, that are, you know – the top of Big Japan at the top of that, you know, kind of whatever tier you want to call the Big Japan zero one tier of, 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 you know, Japanese wrestling. They're kind of there. Uh, but yeah, I think Buzzard's solid. I think Aoki's solid. But yeah, I would say go in with that expectation that, hey, this is uh, just a, a, a solid match, not necessarily a match of the year contender, one of the best matches you'll see this year. I, I don't think it was that, but, but I did, I did enjoy it. And I am, I am interested in seeing more Buzzard and, and, and more Aoki uh, moving forward. Cage match loves it. They've got it at 8.6 right now. And I, I understand why it just, man, I don't know. It just, the, the match just kept losing me. I, I, I couldn't invest in it for, for whatever reason. Aoki has had a nice title reign though. I've seen a number of these matches that he's had since he won the title from Okabayashi who retired last year in the middle of the year and still made the list, right? The FSM 50. I think he still made it despite he was, his, because was he, Okabayashi, he was great. 39, 39, 39. He was so good the first half of the year. It's like, uh, when I was looking over my camp, I was like, I have to have him on my 50. I can't not have him because he was so great the first half of the year. But, um, yeah, Yoki's had a nice uh, title reign. Look, I didn't think it was a bad match. It just didn't hit that next gear for me. You know, of the three matches that we're going to talk about, it was by far my least favorite. The next was from Osaka Pro where Billy Ken kid who has announced his retirement, I don't know when he's officially retiring, but he challenged for the Osaka light heavyweight title, which is a new title that they rolled out during the new Zeus owned era of the company. Zeus left all Japan. He bought Osaka pro. He talked about that a little bit last year. He's the owner of the company. He's running it. Um, and they rolled out a light heavyweight title that Tiger's mask held for, for like forever. I actually <laughs> right. watched. Oh, yeah, that's right. He had that thing for like 500 days or something like that. Yeah, because I, I clicked the wrong link today and I watched this uh, Matsufusa, this Ruya Matsufusa who wrestled Billy Kenkid. I watched the match where he beat Tiger's mask for this light heavyweight title. And was that, that was actually. It was pretty good. I mean, you know, this Matt, this Matsufusa has some potential. Mm-hmm, I mean, he's a mm-hmm. nice little wrestler. 25, so 25 this, years old for him. Yeah. So he, um, he wins the title. He ends Tiger's Mask's long reign as the first title holder of this thing. And he's defending against Billy Ken Kid, who is retiring this year. If you're a longtime flagship listener, we used to talk about this guy. Oh, yeah. Partially as a partially as a meme but not really like we're billy ken kid fans <laughs> no, no we're you know? supporters it, it, yeah like i just don't watch a lot of his matches because like a lot of it's right. in these like very weird promotions that no, look if, if if i had nothing else to do all day if and 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 really wanted to i'd muck it up and watch heat up and and all this stuff but more times than not i'm not watching osaka pro i'm not watching heat up i'm not watching the places that he works but every time i watch this guy i fucking enjoy 
him. And we always would occasionally, like, once every three years, watch a Billy Ken Kid match and be like, God damn, Billy Ken Kid rocks. He just rules. And uh, I'm glad we did because this, yeah. The other problem is Osaka Pro was going to die. You know, Zeus saved it. Let's be honest. I mean, they they weren't making tape anymore. um, Barely ever running shows. You know, and he got them back on TV at a 30-minute show. Now it's an hour. The show's an hour now like most time, you know, most of the time that it airs and, and he's got them. I, I don't want to use the word hot, but he's got them hotter <laughs> than they've been in years. They're not on death's door. Like it felt like they were, I mean, they, not like they felt like they were, they were on death's door. And yeah. And, at it. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. These shows have more energy than they've had in a long time. And it's the old crew, your Billy Ken kids, your black Buffaloes, your tiger's mask, but you throw in Zeus and he brings uh, Quiet Storm with him. Zeus and Quiet Storm have been feuding over, you know, their 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 version of the world title. Um, he he's brought the bodyguard in because I don't think I Colega. Colega, I, I, I think is, is R.I.P. I, I don't think Colega's still running anymore. So. Right, and the bodyguard was running Colega at one point, and Zeus was running um, Osaka Pro. But now that Colega is out, because I I really don't. Yeah, think their they last show anymore. was November twenty twenty two, so they're they're done. Yeah, they're done, and they've been done, and now, you know, the bodyguard pops up. Because for people who don't know, Zeus was with Osaka Pro at the beginning of his career. And then he, you know, he went to All Japan. He became a Triple Crown champion. So he comes back and buys the company, and he's running it now. And um, they're doing much better than they were before. And, and you know, and, and Billy Kenkid circling back to this match, he will retire later this year. And he, you know, used to have the tag team with Subasa. And we used to, you know, like me and you were Billy Ken Kid and Subasa back in the <laughs> love early days of the flagship, you know, and we'd we'd post the picture, you know, new 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 flagship coming, the picture of Billy Ken Kid and Subasa, you know, with their arms you know crossed. but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah with their arms crossed, you know, for people who might remember that. But yeah, so anyway, that's the story. You have the old veteran. He's got to be in his fifties at this he's fifty is years 50 old. Fifty years old. He was fifty on the on the dot. Going for this light heavyweight title, he's been in Osaka Pro his whole life, and and this uh, Matsufasa, and and I enjoyed the hell out of this, and and you could hear the women squealing for Billy Ken Kid in the crowd. The fans wanted him to win this thing, and um, the young guy held him off, and he retained the title. This is just a classic pro wrestling story, and Billy Ken Kid just every time you watch, he's just solid as fuck, just a solid as fuck wrestler who spent his whole career predominantly in Osaka Pro and places like it. You know, and, and, you know, tiny, I'm sure he's had a day job all these years and hasn't been a full-time wrestler, but this is just a pro's pro and, um, you know, comes from a Lucha background. So he's got a little Lucha Risu, uh, you know, in the mix there, like a, like a lot of the Osaka guys. And I just enjoyed the hell out of this. And, you know, I don't know when they're going to do his retirement match or whatever, but uh, hopefully, you know, the Subasas and the Black Buffaloes will be involved and, and, you know, I'll be all over that. But what'd you think of it? No, I, I liked it as well. Maybe a little too long, a little too long, about 33 minutes. So it, it, it did maybe go a little more than I needed, but uh, really good. I, I thought the selling um, was great. It, it, it played off perfectly. So you have the young kid here and the old guy, the veteran or whatever. And the veteran is just the smarter pro wrestler. The young kid's bouncing around, jumping around, flying around, doing all of his big spots or whatever. And the veteran's just like, yeah, I'm just going to work you over, work you over, work you over. To the point where by the end of the match – 
Ryuya, he can't use his leg. He can't even stand on his leg. And Billy Ked Kid's like, all right, I, my plan worked. I was going to let you do, I was going to let you tucker yourself out and fly all over and do all the big spots. And then 20 minutes into the match, you're not going to be able to use your leg. And then I'm going to have you for the taking. And that's kind of where you thought this match was going to go. But then, you know, they obviously had then the flip side of that, the young kid firing up and firing through the pain and getting the fans on his side. Yes, they're rallying behind him. The, like you said, the women squealing for the young kid to get through. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. You can push through the pain and push through the pain and push through the pain. And then he does. And yeah, I thought the the, the final comeback was, was, was solid. And yeah, it's not, uh, I, I think it's probably, I probably liked it about the same as I liked uh, uh, the, the Leighton Buzzard. Uh, okay, I'm probably four and a quarter on, on both of those. Different kind of match, though. Different totally kind of different match. kind of match. And that, that was going to be my point is that that's what's cool about this is like you're seeing two entirely different matches. And what's cool about this one is this is available on their YouTube channel as well. And I don't know how much they're uploading, but I know I'm subscribed now to Osaka Pro's YouTube, and I'll keep an eye on it moving forward. But uh, this match you can watch for free on their YouTube page. We'll uh, try to uh, put a link uh, in the show notes, but if not, just look up, uh, try to find Osaka Pro on YouTube, and you'll find it. If you go to if you go to Cage Match, I think this the show is actually linked on on Cage Match as well. But uh, yeah, no, this was a uh, this was a really really fun match. Go out of your way to check it out, and uh, a good sell match and a good if you've never seen Billy Ken Kid before. Um, I don't know how much more, or I mean, I don't know how many more opportunities you're going to have to see him. But he's he's a guy that probably should be more well known than he is. But as a result of kind of sticking around and being loyal. You know, he's known by the hardcores, but, you know, most people listen to this have probably never seen a Billy Ken Kid match. And that's a shame. Yeah, it's, um, you know, they and their their latest TV has um, the, the, the title change where this kid won the title from Tiger's Mask. That's an upload that's floating around if you know the places to look. And it has a, a, the, um, I believe, a Zeus Quiet Storm match from the recent tournament that they held. You know, they they're, uh, they call it the Tenozan tournament. Um, I think that's the other match on on the most current TV. And then, like Rich said, this is a free upload on their YouTube for their most recent show, which was on the seventh of uh, of January, which is where this match took place. It was the main event. Um, Three hundred people in Osaka. For this one, lively. It was very lively, oh, more yeah. lively than Osaka, you know, pro, you know, has been in a while. You know, I, and like I said, I watched some of the other show too, and it's just it, it feels far more vibrant than it was when it was uh, when it was about to die. And there yeah, was a I, third I match the show. That, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was it very. Oh, short. you watched the whole. You watched the whole yeah, YouTube, YouTube show. upload. Yeah, and it's yeah. like you know, not not anything else that you can. What really was it? The whole about. show from the seventh. Uh, yes. It's just a full upload of the yep, show from it's the entire show. Seven. It's a whole New Year's special is up there. Okay. Yeah. It's about so. two hours long. There's a little bit that you can skip because a lot of it is the intro where um, they introduce the year and kind of say, hey, thank you. And they're all wearing their track Bring suits. Bring out the roster whatever. and all that. Yeah, the whole yeah, roster comes yeah. out in their track suits or whatever. You don't have to watch that. And you could probably skip. I mean, well, no, because you like Black Buffalo. So you got to watch that match. I anyway, like Black but, Buffalo. Yeah, I love yeah. that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I watched but that. It's, yeah. But on the other side is Ebison and, and, and. Yeah. Kushinobu came in, so it's probably all comedy. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You could probably skip that one if you if you really must. But that's Osaka Pro. I mean, that comes with the territory. Right. You just right. you know, it's it's. Uh, I don't even know the best way. Japanese Chikara. I don't even know if that's yeah. fair. But, I think my my favorite result um, of that entire show though was the Rogue Nation with Goliath, Quiet Storm, and Toru uh, versus yeah. Arez, Tiger's Mask, and Zeus. Went to a no contest. No one's doing the job. <laughs> Semi main. Well, you know, quiet, quiet storm. I don't know in he's this gleed. match, but he's, he's got a big time gleeder. Yeah, he's got a new look. Yeah, at least in this company, he wears like face paint, and um, yeah, Toru is a classic scummer who's been floating <laughs> around. 
Um, but yeah, and and yeah, that's the the big feud has been Zeus and uh, and Quiet Storm on the on the top of the card. But uh, anyway, the third match that we watched that was getting some buzz this week was uh, back in CMLL. It was Mascara Dorada and Templario main event of the January fifth Arena Mexico uh, Friday night show. Um, man, I was prepared to come on here and bury the match because. I thought that the second fall finish was an absolute mess because Templario can be sloppy sometimes. He yeah. doesn't have the smoothness. There was a lot of sloppiness. Of so- yeah. Of Soberano. That's a problem for him. He's not as smooth as Soberano Jr. or some of these other guys. Templario can be a little messy. And Mascara Dorada, this is the new Mascara Dorada. I'm not as crazy about him as everybody else is. I, he's I very like him. flippy. He's very flippy, but he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's just kind of jumping around and doing he, stuff. Look, the guy's got incredible potential. I'm just not as high on him yet as others are. And I really wasn't feeling this match through the second fall because the first fall was just a generic arena Mexico first fall. And the second fall was sloppy as hell, especially the finish. But they, this third fall kicked so much ass and built so much drama and had arena Mexico because they did a What they did was a shit ton of near falls and they don't do a shit ton of near falls in, in arena Mexico. No, very rarely. So, so when you have a match that has a bunch of near falls like this, the fans just go ape shit and it adds so much to the atmosphere and it lifts the match so much because I'm not going to say they never do, you know, the big Japanese constant near fall style, but it's rare and it's usually saved for a big main event singles match like this. And they did it here. And I thought that these two guys had an excellent third fall, which really saved the match. I wouldn't put it in the upper echelon of great CMLL uh, Arena Mexico singles main events that we've seen over the last year or so. But I put it on the lower end of those. But it was still very enjoyable. And I think it will give you a decent taste of what Dorada and Templario are all about, especially Mm -hmm. the third fall. Yeah, yeah, I would kind of agree with most of that. Is it, I I was watching this match for the first two thirds, like you said, the first two falls basically, and people were hyping this match up a lot. And I was like, I don't know if I get this. I mean, they're kind of fucking around. They're sloppy. The spots are kind of not going anywhere. And I'm like, I don't. This match is way overrated, man. This is nowhere anywhere near what I thought I was going to see here. And then the third fall is, as you said, spectacular. It's a a great, great third fall and. The pro- I could see some people, Dorado and Templario do a lot of kind of the modern luchador high flyer stuff where they're bouncing all over the ropes and doing stuff that does feel very choreographed. But you know what? That's fucking lucha. You know what I mean? Like, you know, a lot of lucha is that. A lot of high flying lucha has that sort of element to it. So I get how that, you know, especially with Dorado, he does a lot of it. And, and you know, that might bother some people, but I don't, I don't really care that much. I, I think... I think when you do it to a ridiculous level like Vikingo does sometimes or Commander does sometimes, it, it does kind of wear thin. But I don't think that's the case with this third fall. I think anybody should probably find something to like out of this. And more than anything, just the Arena Mexico crowd going nuts. These guys are, are doing flips and dives and bouncing all over the ropes and just doing some pretty, pretty incredible stuff. And like you said, having that third fall really feel like it had a lot of meaning and the fans not knowing who the hell was going to win this match and the back and forth and the back and forth and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, I thought to the end um, – great and and the finish i mean that 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 shooting star press is just the thing of fucking beauty is... yeah they, they they did stuff in the third fall that's normally a finish but they were near falls yeah mm-hmm. and and because a lot of times in cmll the finishes are very definitive 
I mean, you know when, oh, okay, that's the finish. This, this match is over. And there were a couple different moments in this third fall that felt like that, but then they weren't. And then they kept cutting to the crowd, and people are just losing their fucking minds over these near falls. Because, again, it's not something that's overdone in that building in terms of the near falls. So, um, yeah, CMLL is off to a good start again. I mean, you know, it, it's they had a great year. And you know, sometimes these things can be fleeting and every year is a new page and, but you know, they're off to another good start. You know, Sobrano Jr. is going to be in new Japan more this year, but they've, they've got, they keep coming up with the new crops, you know, this Futuro and neon, these two guys, I mean, you know, the, the people who watch every week already know, but some of our listeners who maybe just keep one eye on CMLL, I mean, remember those names, those are part of the next wave, you know, and, and maybe Zandokan Jr. continues his breakout this year. And they've got the uh, uh, the two Viano Three Sons are together, you know, in the tag team now. And they, they team with Zandokan a lot. And, you know, maybe this will be a big year for them. And, you know, they just what, – what, what you like, what you see with CMLL is it's not just a select group of top guys having great matches that happen to be hot right now, they keep adding to the mix. Yeah, every time and you go to the keep... card, there's like four or five new guys every time. They're You're making like, Who the new fuck guys. Are these guys? <laughs> what the hell? You know, three or four different guys emerge like this Mascara Dorada did last year as and, and they and they keep restocking the pond with new guys underneath the last batch of new guys. So they could absorb the loss of a Soberano Jr. if he's not around so much next year. Because uh, they constantly are, are putting new people, uh, featuring new people in Arena Mexico, and they're getting over, you know, and 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 it, it's 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 healthy right now. It's healthy. It's not just four or five veterans who happen to be in hot programs, and then when that peters out, they're not doing anything underneath. And we've all seen that a million times in a million different promotions, and you know it's going to be short lived. That's not what's happening here. Okay, they're doing a great job, and this isn't always the case with CMLL historically, but they're doing a great job making sure to constantly get fresh faces in the mix. And it's good to see. So there you go. That was the show. Like we said, from the fifth and that one is available uh, by means Lucha blog, follow them on Twitter. Follow Cubs fan on Twitter. And the link is right in his, (laughs) it's not 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 some kind of, but uh, yeah, it would find it. But uh, yeah, I I would say if you want to follow CML, that's a, that's a good account to follow luchablog.com. Follow the Cubs fan. They can find a lot of good stuff uh, on there. But, um, yep, that's it for the show. We are way, way, way over time. So that is it for us. Uh, thank you for sticking with us during the breaking news as we were trying to kind of figure out the Okada news. I'm sure we'll have more about that next week on the show. Uh, next week we're also going to do our preview for Royal Rumble because we're doing, going to do instant reaction live uh, for the Royal Rumble. So a lot going on next week uh, as well. So make sure you're, you're – uh, you're tuning in. Listen to us each week here on the flagship. So that is it for us. Voicesofwrestling.com is where you can get the FSM 50 uh, as well as previews, reviews, and columns about the world of wrestling. Voicesofwrestling.com slash Discord if you want to join the conversation uh, on our Discord and uh, Voice Wrestling Podcast Network on your podcast app of choice. All right. So that is it for us. That is Joe. I'm Rich. We will talk to you next time on the flagship podcast. Take care. Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super J Cast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And it-
Even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super J Cast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super J Cast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. <laughs> 